My name is James Rowlands, and in 2015, I started a Domino podcast with my friend, Dan White. And for five years, we have brought you the very best of the network, but it's time for a change. Now, we don't just confine ourselves to Vinnie Mac, bring you AEW, Impact, NJPW, and all the latest for the British wrestling scene. But we will still bring you all our old favourites, including NXT update, takeovers and live shows for the Big Four. This year we will decide who is the greatest British wrestler in the world, plus so much more. But until we watch everything, we are with you and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today it's the Dominar 293, it's Backlash 2020. But before we do anything, let's start with the alternate intro. And when it's covered in all coloured lights, when the runaways are running the night, impossible comes true, it's taking over you. Oh, this is the greatest show. We'll lie up, we won't come down, and the sun can't stop us now. Watching it come true, it's taking over you. Oh, this is the greatest show. Dan, tonight, your man is going to deliver the greatest wrestling match ever. Much pressure on him, do you reckon? No, if there's anyone that can take the pressure, it will be Randall Orton. I mean, you know, the man is what pressure precisely. <laughs> well, it will be interesting. Uh, of course, there's lots of matches to look forward to. And, of course, we do the Prediction League. Dan, anybody that doesn't know? Yes, James, we have four prediction leagues. We've got the AEW pay-per-views, we've got the NXT pay-per-views, we've got the WWE pay-per-views, and we have the bonus league as well. And, of course, tonight we will be in for all of that. But what better way to kick off then with kickoff? Well, rumours have swelled that Paul Heyman's projects may be in some measure of trouble now that Vince McMahon has made some creative changes. More on that later with news. Well... Current United States crews was specially named and then his match against Andrade at Backlash was moved to the kickoff show. Should we read sank into that, Dan? Uh, it's a question for another time, perhaps. Well, let's kick off then. And predictions, Dan, you are to... I have gone for... Apollo Crews. Apollo Crews in this one. And I, too, have gone Apollo Crews. I mean, the story to this match was the potential for outside interference... And Garza is still running with Andrade after all. And that gave Cruz something else to worry about. Sure enough, Garza got involved right when Apollo was going to win it. Well, it's a good thing Kevin Owens, who had come out for commentary and made clear that he was hanging around to ensure things stayed safe, was there. Well, he took Garza out and Cruz won shortly after. Cruz versus Owens up next. Well, yeah, we shall see. But scores, it means that we're both on one point all as we start the main show. Uh, but as expected, Cruz and Andrade delivered a great match. Their technical position was on point. Their high-flying moves looked great. Owens being the equaliser helped keep the match fair. But also opens up the possibility that he will request a title shot for helping Cruz retain the belt. Garza and Andrade won't be together much longer if he blames him for failing to provide a proper distraction. So here we go, Dan, main card. What match are you looking forward to the most tonight? I am actually looking forward to the greatest match ever. Do you think it of that build-up? <sighs> I think it's going to be slightly underwhelming. I mean, you know, they've kind of put a lot of pressure on it. I've seen that 
Randy Orton and Edge both on Twitter have been kind of playing it down, going, yeah, I've just made the best pancakes ever and I just told my daughter the best bedtime story ever. And, you know, but then again, could they be kind of double bluffing it and playing it down and, you know, making it seem like it's not going to be the greatest match to lower everyone's expectations to deliver? Well, let's hope so here tonight. I mean, we're going to have, like we said, the prediction points. Uh, and we're going to start off with the women's tag team titles. He's just standard uh, opening for any backlash. But the kind of build up to this one is interesting. Of course, Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss won the tag titles at WrestleMania. Uh, but then since then, we've seen Bailey and Banks. And of course, uh, Bailey is women's champion at this moment in time. Is it the right thing for the women's titles? Have they been used correctly since uh, being introduced? Um, I think they're starting to kind of build them up a bit more, you know. Bailey Doss Straps, as she likes to be known. She doesn't like to be called Bailey Two Belts because it's a bit too much like Becky Two Belts. But, um, yeah, you know, it is. I think it's good kind of having them on this grand stage as well. Um, I think, you know, the two most powerful women in women's wrestling at the moment, holding them kind of brings a bit more legitimacy to it. It's going to be interesting. But we are huge fans of the Iconics. And we've seen on Raw recently maybe a little bit of dissension. We've seen a slap there. It's For me, I think the Iconics are the best team in WWE when you talk about, you know, women's tag team. Yeah. Them up. I don't know what you, what you think about that. I think it would be wrong, yeah. If any tag team gets split up, I don't think it should be the Iconics. I think they work perfectly together. They kind of bounce off each other as well. Well, and we should be waiting for ages for the... Um, Boss and Hug split, but now we've got the tag team titles, but maybe that'll add another layer to it. Well, you know, I'm sure if they was to lose them at some point, that the person taking the loss would obviously blame, you know, get blamed for it. So, you know, it'd be kind of an explosion that way. Yeah, and we talk about the success of the, but the question, the thing is, is this Bailey's time now? We we see obviously Charlotte is constantly like. But Bailey now is kind of reaping the rewards and having a success maybe, you know, that a lot of time that she hasn't had. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think, you know, Bailey's kind of been the more underrated member of the four horsewomen. I think it definitely is her time to shine. And then maybe Sasha Banks's time to shine is just on the horizon. Yeah, I think a split is coming up and uh, that's why one of the reasons in my predictions, that I have gone for and new women's tag team champions, Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. Oh, James, it's funny you should say that because I have gone for and new women's tag team champions, the Iconics. The Iconics, whoa. So here we go, we're level at the moment, but it could all change. Like I say, at this moment in time, prediction leagues, this, a point makes all the difference at this moment in time. You can't let anybody else pull away. And this is going to be interesting now. So what do the Iconics have to do then, Dan, if they want to take the tag belts for their own? I think they have to kind of capitalise. It's what they do best. You know, if, uh, say, if either Bailey or Sasha Banks hits their finisher on an opponent, that they need to kind of jump in, push them out, and get the pin that way. I think that's probably the Iconics' best chance of winning. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping... Um, maybe Cross and Bliss can do. I think they're working well as a team. And I think at this moment in time, when we talk about, you know, best teams, I think the best case is between Cross and Bliss because at the moment, there is no dissension within the ranks. We've talked about Banks and Bailey. We've talked about those two having problems in the past. We've talked about um, the Iconics having problems. Cross and Bliss get on the best out of them all. So I think that could use, use that to their advantage. 
tonight. But again, a great way to start off a, a pay-per-view, as we've seen. And uh, let's hope all six women can deliver. There's not a bad one in this bunch to start off. Absolutely not, no. I think all six of these women's absolute outstanding performers in their own right. So here we go, Nikki Cross. I mean, you got to love her. We loved her back in NXT. There's so much fire. Uh, I know this is for tag team titles, but I mean, out of all these women, can Nikki Cross actually have a run as a singles champion? I think there's definitely a lot of potential. I would like to see it, yes. Um, but I think with Nikki Cross especially, that if she has a singles run and kind of her and Bliss go to separate, uh, Nikki Cross needs to go back to the crazy Nikki Cross from NXT as opposed to being this kind of toned down version of herself. Yeah. Well, I, I think this is the thing. I mean, the question about Nikki Cross, I think she can play the face really well as we've seen it. And like I said, you've got the unhinged character. What about Alexa Bliss? Because, of course, does she work better as a heel? Because we've seen that as well. As a face, is that kind of washed, you know, kind of watered down version of what a character is as well? Again, you kind of started off as a face and then she moved to a heel. I think it's a good way of her using her character because, you know, despite her size, her stature and her look, you know, she can be an evil person when she's a heel and I think it works really well for her. Yeah, I think it would be interesting with the Iconics. Maybe uh, I would rather see like a kind of face run rather than them splitting up as well because we've not really seen that. And you can, I can, when the crowd are back, I can see them really responding in that way. And the same with uh, Banks and Bailey. You know, I think Banks as a heel works best, but at the moment she's kind of in the uh, limelight to Bailey as we got a face off all six women and now we're trading pins between Peyton Royce, Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks. So it's been all change in the match then. Starters have tagged out. And who's the most talented out of these six then? I don't know. I'd... Me personally. I think most technical, I think, might have to go to Banks. But the problem is with her, it's not botches as such, but slight mistakes every now and again. I'd have to say, you know, all throughout, like, you know, with mic work, character work and, you know, just what they can do if they go to Bliss. I think Bliss is great. I mean, again, we talk about kind of a single championship run and I think definitely a saint that she can do. Maybe a chance because she got hurt during the kind of Ronda Rousey, you know, matches. Maybe they don't see her as a kind of, you know, a, a singles champion. But again, like I said, these women are incredibly talented. There's not that much between them all. Do you know what I mean? Even on the... Uh, we talk about mics and promos and stuff like that. We talk about how entertaining the iconics, what Nikki Cross can. Like I said, it's a good time at the moment, but it just needs more exposure. And again, you see the six women standing off. Well, again, you know, from all these six women, only half of them have been women's champion. And you can see the talent on the show as well. Well, Bliss and Cross seem to be in control at the moment as Royce gets Irish whipped into banks and Bliss delivers a huge slap to both women. And Cross is just brilliant to see. And again, talk about tag teams. I always like to see them wearing the kind of same kind of outfit. And you can definitely see that with Cross. And they, kind of, they have a legitimate right to be here in this match, going for the tag team titles as well. So it's not as if it's just been kind of, right, you six women go out there and have a kick-off match. Yeah, I think that'd be fair to say. You know, Like I said, they're definitely giving it all. It's a, it's a fun opener. I think the women have been really delivering uh, recently, you know, watching SmackDown and all that kind of stuff. As Billy Kay now in control. Posing in the ring, looking to capitalise on Hexa Bliss, who ducks out the way and goes back to the corner. Well, it looked like the Iconics were going to double-team Bailey, but Banks got involved. Yeah, Bailey with a roll-up. And he gets two, though. Two. And Banks knocking Bliss off the apron. Looks like maybe the Boston Hug connection. We're in the strongest position at the moment. Will Barrow 
banks in with the knee to the head. Bailey with the cover. Two. Yes. No. Cross breaks up. Well, no problems with uh, defensive duties here. Cross looking to get tagged to a fresh partner, but she calls to be knocked off the apron. And we've seen a new side to Bailey. It's a vicious side, as she likes to hurt her opponents more and more now. But it again, certainly is a lot more att- intense. But the problem is, take time with that. Let's her opponents get in, as we've just seen with Nikki Cross. Takes out Bailey and Billy, and now looking for Bliss. Bliss gets the tag in, takes down Bailey. Come on, Bliss. Start bringing it. I mean, I know you liked her, but maybe not anymore. She's my pick here tonight. Takes out both women, and she's on fire, baby. Well, unfortunately, this is one match I wouldn't mind seeing her lose. <laughs> and look at that. Knees to the chest. And then rolls through into a Fez press to Bailey. One to Banks, who was coming in. Boom, that's the third. And Peyton Royce gets caught. Does Billy want some? Just gets a huge right hand. That's a double strike attempt. Double cruddy. And now Bliss backing Bailey up in a corner. Stumping the mud hole, walking it dry. Both women trading. Bliss ends up in the apron. Manages to get the tag to Banks, who works over Bliss on the outside of the apron. And they're just fighting. That's all it is. Oh, oh. Royce with a crossbody. And six women are down. And it's just the strikes and the impact. They are not... There's now the Iconics. Look to maybe take advantage. And this is it. Will Barrow knee by the Iconics, but Bailey rolls outside. Maybe shown intelligence. Well, Bailey wasn't the legal woman. It was Banks. Well, Banks trying to fight both women off now in the middle of the ring. And they slam her down, but can't take advantage because it's Bliss and Crossing. And now this might be their chance. Netbreaker, no. Peyton's still fighting it. Peyton looking for the spinning heel kick. Cross ducks it. Oh, Bang, lovely finisher by Bliss and Cross. Come on now, take advantage. You know, Billy in, but being popped out by Cross. Drags Cross to the outside. And Bliss looking to go up. Is it Twisted Bliss? Well, if she hits Twisted Bliss from here, we've got new tag team champions. Here we go. Hits it. Go for Banks the cover. In. No. Roll up on Bliss. Two, three. Oh. James loses a point because his pick got pinned. <laughs> Dan losing a point. Because his team weren't involved. The Iconics protected. But Banks gets the victory for Bailey. Dan, what are your thoughts on that match? I thought it was good. You know, there was um, certainly a lot of action. Match, and it was clear, concise and straight to the point. You know, there wasn't any faffing about. It didn't look like there was much waiting for spots as well. I think the spot where uh, the crossbody to the outside was kind of the only one that you could see people waiting around for. But the others, you know, it was it was good. No lolly gagging around. What I like about it is, yes, Bliss got pinned by Banks, but you can see afterwards with Cross with the, the arm around the shoulder, they're still going to be a good team. Iconics protected, and it tells the story of Banks saying, look, I retained the tag team titles for us, and where were you, Bailey, as well? So, And again, all six women gave everything they got, and that's all you can ask for. Yeah, all oh, six women, yeah, they put in one hell of a performance. Great th- way to start off the show. Without a shadow of a doubt. And the Iconics aren't happy, but I'm sure they're going to get a chance. And Cross and uh, Bliss will just have to regroup. But our next match is uh, Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy. And Jeff Hardy's return. I have been watching a lot of SmackDown because I've been doing live tweeting. Uh, we've been doing live tweeting. And, of course, uh, this is weird because Jeff Hardy's obviously had a lot of personal problems. Uh, the past few years we've kind of drunk and disorderly and driving under the influence. And of course, we've had the member TNA when he came out with uh, no condition to perform against Sting. WWE have kind of seen that and gone, I'll tell you what we're going to do, we're going to use it. Uh, and Jeff Hardy, his car hit Elias and Elias had to go to the hospital. He's out of action for a little while. 
Uh, they said the driver was a man with ginger hair and a beard. And, of course, that um, was Seamus. And Seamus is not happy about Jeff Hardy. They had a contract signing. When does a singles match mean, you know, have a contract signing normally? Never. Uh, and uh, Seamus wanted him to take, um, take the piss, literally, to check to see if he was under the influence. And but that, apparently, it was a shout-out to Shawn Michaels taking the urine test because he actually said the exact same words. Well, yeah, either a shout-out or just WWE rehashing old storylines in that way. And that's what happened. Sheamus got mouthful of piss. Fox executives weren't happy because that was against standards and practice. Uh, and it was just a kind of weird segment. What are your thoughts on... I mean, Jeff Hardy, obviously, all right with the fact that they're using this kind of story. But what are your thoughts on this and um, the whole thing, really? Um, again, I think, you know, how you take a personal storyline. I mean, you know... If other things come out in the woodwork about, you know, characters and that, like drugs and, you know, other misdemeanours, is it okay to bring that into it? You know, um, when is enough enough? And, you know, there's certain things, you know, obviously they must have spoken to Jeff Hardy before, you know, and said, look, you've got to play some back. James has been the bad guy in this, Jeff Hardy, especially with his brother, Doing so well in AEW, they want to hold on to him, so they're going to give him a little bump and a push. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. This storyline's not been great. It doesn't cast Sheamus in a great light as well. You know, can either of these guys, in all seriousness, have a, a, either a WWE title run or be classed as a main event? Because at the moment, in my eyes, this is a mid-card. Uh, absolutely, yeah. You know, it probably wouldn't be out of place being for the Intercontinental or US Championship. Uh I think, personally, I'd like to see Jeff Hardy having another run. You know, I think he's good enough. He's got that calibre. And, you know, there are so many amazing matches and things he can still have. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think with Sheamus, even his last W title run when he cashed in, he was kind of Triple H's puppet in all that. And not getting into too much, I think Triple H has hurt Sheamus' career nearly as much as he's helped it. Because when you think about the big WrestleMania feud, we're going to have at like 26, and then Triple H kind of use him as cannon fodder, you know, coming back and facing the Undertaker instead. And again, like I said, with the uh, League of Nations and everything like that. As for Jeff, there's no doubt. But again, he needs... If he's sorted out 100%, that's fine. But what's the point of doing a storyline if six months down the line he's going to do it yet again. You know, this is the kind of thing. Let's sort him out first rather than kind of taking advantage of it. There's no doubt Jeff is popular, but they could have used any kind of... They could use the young guy saying, oh, you're Jeff Hardy. I know what you've done. Let me beat you. And that means something in my career as opposed to this, you know. So I think interesting times. Well, how many more losses is Jeff Hardy going to take before he's like, yeah, I'm just going to let my contract run out. I can go and be brother Nero to... What you know, his brother Matt's yeah. doing, and they can absolutely run with that, and he'll be treated, you know, in the very similar light as his brother. Well, is. look how great tag teams are. Do you know what I mean? In especially in AEW at the moment, time so you have kind of got the revival there now. You have got the Young Bucks. Imagine the Hardys involved, even if it's only a six-month or year run. Is that better than being in a match at Backlash? I think it's what Jeff wants to do. You know, and I think it's down to him uh, to decide that. I think in the end. I think as for Sheamus, I think he's always going to have a position uh, and kind of like a JBL character now in a way where he's just the bully and you see him kind of have these matches where he's just talking down but you kind of know what's going to happen in the end, you know. Yeah, yeah, that is, you know, 
putting him as the JBL character, that is, <laughs> yeah, I think that's just hit the nail on the head. Because <laughs> so, you know, you know, you might get beaten in 25 seconds or something like that, but you'd probably be fighting for your United States start in a couple of months. Well, I think, you know, Jeff, certainly, if he is kind of road to recovery and that, he certainly deserves more. He's still got a lot more to give in a wrestling ring, that's for sure. Well, look at his match with Randy Orton in Hell in a Cell. I mean, that's probably his last great match. And it, because it was just, a, you know, the story told in that one. The story in this one, at the moment, is Sheamus is just battered and beaten uh, Jeff Hardy. But that is where the problem lies with Jeff Hardy. I mean, who are his rivals? Aside from, as have you got? You haven't got a lot of them, no. I don't think... I mean, the Seamus thing, obviously, now, but they've made something of that. Yeah, I mean, you know, without having to kind of incur something, there is literally no one around that... But even going back through his career, he's not had any high-profile rivalries. It's like, you know, you look at pretty much any wrestler and you can say, you know, like Randy Orton, he's had rivalries with yeah. John Cena... I mean, Jeff had. Uh, I mean, uh, I think my favourite feud with the Punk, uh, CM Punk, that feud that they had there, I think was brilliant. Obviously, feud with his brother, but again, like I said, it's the kind of like he's not really had. You're right. He's, if, if a Batman is going to have, you know, every Batman needs a Joker, don't they? In in that kind of way. Uh, so I think that's interesting. In that point, I think maybe Jeff, because he hasn't got any history to come back on, then that would hurt himself uh, these days. Maybe to go someone, you know, what about Daniel Bryan or someone like that? Trying Jeff Hardy to prove that it wasn't all about the bumps. You know, how great a wrestler, all about the high risks. Maybe that's a story to tell, you know, as he goes along maybe a little bit. But then we've seen like the kind of, well, I want to prove myself. I'm standing up on the top turnbuckle looking down at a strewn opponent. Oh, do I do it? And it's that kind of split second that... You know, he kind of gets caught, counted. Yeah. And, you know, we've se- I've seen it a couple of times in wrestling before. And it's, you say, you know, rehashing old stories. It's not but, something I like to go down. The thing, and, and there's enough stuff out there to kind of be creative with it. And I think this is a storyline that doesn't work, you know, especially when you think about, oh my word, all the, uh, this is all the stuff it brings up and all the serious kind of, you know, uh, times it's happened in Jeff's life. Seamus is just apps beating the shit out of Jeff Hardy. In yeah, this it one. has been pretty much all Seamus just working over Jeff so much that his shirt's been nearly ripped off his body. Well, we saw a slight Jeff comeback, but that just kind of got stopped in its tracks. And uh, I think with Seamus as well, like even a feud with McIntyre, I might be interested in down the line just because of the history that it got between the two. Whereas Seamus would be a credible threat, again, I don't think so, but uh, that's a story you could but tell But you go back easy. a few years, he would have been a credible threat. They've kind of just lost all momentum with Sheamus. They kind of, I don't know, they had a bit of a comedy character with him. He started getting a bit more serious when he was. Yep. And then that's kind of just dribbled out. What about him going to NXT UK? I think NXT UK might work for him. I mean, like I said, we're going to have an update on NXT UK in a, a couple of weeks' time. And I think someone like Sheamus will bring credibility to anything he does it's definitely experience but it's just kind of being treated right as well and getting piss thrown in your face is probably not going to be helping that but again Seamus has proven how long has he been around now what 10 years I mean he's a, definitely a company man he's always got a bud whether he's being treated as a serious or a kind of comedy threat you know could he go elsewhere and be treated like a serious threat could he go to Impact and be their world champion within six months could he ever be a credible challenger in AEW I mean we talk about Jeff going at AEW I can't see it with Seamus. I think there's some guys that I just wouldn't see them making the move. I think Seamus is comfortable 
like, no offence to Sheamus, but if he really wanted to be a multi-time W champion, he would have just gone for it. You know, I think we saw that where some people, and McIntyre has said this before, have been comfortable to sit there and collect a check and, and kind of be the company man. No offence to Miz. I love the Miz, but you would never imagine him in AEW or Impact or somewhere like that as well. You know, I think with Jeff, a little bit different because obviously the, the history with um, Impact Wrestling and everything like that. But again, there's no doubt Sheamus has got talent. It's just, I don't think used right sometimes, you know? But again, you know, the last storyline of Sheamus I remember was him and Cesaro when they was kind of having their best of seven feud. You know, the last proper storyline of him. I know they've had their tag team title runs and, you know, but just Sheamus predominantly. Well, was that the mistake? Breaking up the bar when they they had something special and they could have maybe... I can't remember how the bar broke up. They must have like been traded to separate brands or something. Wasn't like one of them injured? It might have been. Yeah, Sheamus might be injured. But the thing is, is like that is saying that hurts. And if you're not going to be used elsewhere, like you say, build up your kind of tag team division. And Jeff now trying to get away from the attack of Sheamus, and he's finally going to take advantage. Of it. There's no doubt Jeff is a good babyface. You know, he makes yeah. you feel sorry for well, him. I think you know. he pretty much has only been a babyface. Yeah, I'd, as a heel, it'd be quite difficult to work, wouldn't it? You know, because like. It's maybe that's Jeff problem as well. Have we really seen an aggressive side to him? We can't see, but the only aggression I've seen is him and Matt. Yeah, 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 you know, I've as I say, I love to watch the old Rumble. There's been a couple of times when the Hardys came out together. They came out 2001 and I think 2002 as well because the Undertaker was out. Yep, and Jeff, Matt, and Lita was kicking the crap out of Undertaker that eliminated Bomb Haven, which again another person they dropped the ball on. As Jeff now finally making a comeback, whispering the wind. No, Seamus managing to kick out. Ah. Both men need this victory. Everything that's gone on there, there's no doubt both of these need to win. And you can definitely see it in both their eyes. Is Jeff now Irish whip reversed. Body knocking Seamus down, though. Atomic drop. He goes low. And a seated drop kick to the face into a cover. Two. No, Seamus managing to kick out. Ah. I mean, Jeff does some, like, what he just did then. wasn't kind of really a splash. He just threw his body down, but... I guess simple, yet effective. And Jeff now is definitely finishing, filling the patch up. Going to try and put Seamus away with a twist of fate. No, Seamus versus a roll-up. But Hardy managing to get the shoulder up at two. Two. A mule kick. Seamus looking for the bro kick. It gets ducked. Swing blade. And Seamus is looking like he's in the drop zone. But can Hardy capitalise on a senton bomb? Well, you'd think he had to be quick about it, but he's using that bottom rope to drag his body up to the turnbuckle. Well, he has spent the majority of this match getting beaten down by Sheamus. And that's, again, that's credit to Sheamus and his game plan, been working over Jeff. He knows he might have a little bit of ring rust for being away for so long. Well, Jeff's up to the top, but Sheamus is back to his feet, cutting him off. Jeff, of course, this month beating Sheamus' former partner, Cesaro. So he's got a little bit of momentum, and Sheamus has been beating jobbers on SmackDown for the past couple of months, but... This is a different battle here tonight. Sheamus in a precarious position. To drag Hardy up to the top for a superplex. Now he gets pushed off. And here comes Jeff now. He's in position. And he hit the senton bomb. It doesn't look like he's... Uh, oh my God. He's steady on his feet up there. As Sheamus gets up and kind of chops his leg out. Oh, Jeff falls on Sheamus. And now we go. White noise. Going for the cover on Jeff. No. no Jeff managing to kick out. Oh. Uh-huh. Well, Seamus thought, yeah, you can see a little bit of frustration on his face now. 
I'm glad he hasn't got that fucking mohawk and ridiculous beard. Like, really. He's lost stuff just for me. <laughs> he's got his old... <laughs> I wonder how long he's been out for. I've just not noticed. It's been a while. Has it been a while? Yeah. Been a while. Well, Jeff, <laughs> honestly, the more you know, as Jeff now... That's how often he hasn't been on telly. <laughs> That's how often I pay attention to Seamus. And now Seamus... Weirdly enough, like, I do know all his signature moves, but... And now he's got Jeff in position. Michael Cole realises he's got an injured knee. That's why he's working on the midsection. <laughs> Seamus. There he goes. And we've seen this before. If he can get it in. I think Hardy had to help him get it locked in. Yeah, that really wasn't nice there. But he's got it in. Cloverleaf. Yeah, but it's the Irish version. The Irish Cloverleaf. <laughs> Isn't there an Irish? What's the thing with the four... I don't know. That's it, yeah. Four-leaf clover lock. We'll call it that. Four-leaf clovers. I thought they were lucky for Irish people because of the little thing. Oh, well. I don't believe in that kind of stuff. But I will with a black cat. And it looks like Jeff Hardy might have done that because he's in serious trouble now. And this match has been given a lot of time, maybe a little bit too much. Yeah, um, I think it might have been given a bit too much time. Seamus looks like he's going to be calling for the end now, though. Yeah, well, here we go. Jeff in serious trouble, but he will never give up. We've never seen him give up. And he's been around WWE for so long. But we now we might see 10 beats of the Finn Balor. Oh, yeah. I done that for a while. I'm sure it's been ages since we saw a Sheamus match on pay-per-view. <laughs> Here we go, Sheamus, just beating the midsection of Jeff. I don't think there's much more for Jeff Hardy to take from Sheamus now. Just a bro kick away from the end, I feel. Yeah, this has just been a, a one-sided match so far. I mean, you expect Jeff to kind of get the victory, the surprise one now, the way this is going. I mean, if Sheamus was to pick it up, then... I mean, Jeff's got a lot of work to do. Well, the only way I can see Jeff getting a victory is if he gets a quick roll-up. Oh, there we go. He just chucked him into the ring post, hit the twist of fate. This might be a different way. Wow. <laughs> He's taking his time going up. Here comes Jeff. Senton hits the mark. Goes for the cover. One, two. No, Seamus gets his foot on the bottom rope. Oh, you talk about the luck of the Irish being positioned. In the ring, manager to get the ropes. Jeff cannot believe it, and that might be his best chance. Can Jeff even manage to go up the top and put his body on the line again? That looks like Sheamus has rolled to the outside. A bit of experience there from Sheamus. Hardy's running around the barricade, gets caught with a brogue kick as he was <laughs> jumping onto Sheamus. Well, that's why you call it high risk, and he ran, ran right into the boot. That's probably the second time I've seen Hardy doing something like that, and the second time it not worked. The time before that was in a tables match against the Dudleys when he ran round the edge and he just got pancaked <laughs> by a table. <laughs> it's been successful sometimes, maybe not sometimes else, but Seamus with the bro kick Two, to Jeff three. and puts him away. Seamus beats Jeff Hardy. Dan, what are your thoughts? Um, they really can't continue this story. I thought they would have kind of... Wanted to put it to bed after the negative feedback that he got from uh, SmackDown. He thought, you know, Jeff Hardy gets the victory. This storyline's done. It's over. It doesn't have to be talked about anymore. But with Sheamus getting the victory, kind of, you need a bit of a redemption story for Jeff. Otherwise, everyone sees it. Okay, yeah, you can go around bullying people for their misdemeanors in the past. And all you're going to get from it is piss thrown in your face. <laughs> yeah, and you'll get a victory in the end, and, and the problem with this now is, like I said, it seems like the rivalry is not over. So I think this will continue now uh, until Jeff gets his, you know, 
that the victory needed. I'm a little bit surprised, Seamus one, not just because neither of us have got a point again, uh, but maybe, you know, maybe Seamus, they could do something here. But again, it's 50-50 booking because, you know, you know, Seamus wins this time. Next time, it's going to be Jeff Hardy. And you can see Jeff Hardy now. Is that part of the storyline saying to himself, maybe, you know, I haven't got what it takes? But again, would Jeff Hardy beating Sheamus next match, would that kind of cut down any credibility Sheamus would have had from this match if he was to go forward and be a legitimate challenger for Drew McIntyre? Yeah, I completely agree. I think it does. And I think that is a problem with 50-50 booking. But it would be interesting to see what happens as we move on. Oh, we'll see Morrison and The Miz getting ready. And we're getting interviewed, and Dan, they stand no chance tonight, do they? <laughs> None. Literally zero. I mean, then bringing back Morrison, he had a brilliant run in um, TNA. To come here and, again, no disrespect to the Miz, but to have to team up with him to kind of rehash his old tag team that he had with him to be going in a two-on-one match to get buried by Braun Strowman. Uh, if I was Morrison, I would have stayed and been head honcho in TNA. Yeah, well, it's interesting, isn't it, that we're seeing this and it seems like there's no legitimate challenges uh, for Braun Strowman at this moment in time, so we're going to have this match. But hey, anything could happen, you know, like I said, both of them to maybe tell of dissension between the two at some point. I mean, they're not going to be a team forever, are they? Oh, wait a minute. Also, Otis has just showed up. Dan, I want to take this moment to say bonus points. Let's do our cashing cards. Right now, let's talk about our cashing cards and what we do. We're going to give two points out one point if it happens, and one point for the per date because it's going to be so difficult to guess what actual date. So, if we say, like, oh, September 28th, if it is, we'll give each other a point. I think that'd be fair to say. I'm not going to give dates just yet, but I want to, yep, I want to talk about cashings. I'm, yes. I'm going to write down so when is your cashing card? Who, what's going to happen with a cashing card? And if it's exactly the same circumstances happen, you will get the point. So, let me say... Well, let me have a think, and I'll get back to you later on in the show. Yeah. I'm going to say mine right now, but Dan cannot take what I've said. So, my cashing card is Otis giving it to Roman Reigns. When Roman Reigns returns to SmackDown, Otis gives him the money in the bank to have a WWE title opportunity. Okay, then. If you're on that, I'm going to go with him and Tucky. Yeah. Cash it in for the tag team titles. Fine, that's fine. So if that happens, we both, you know, get a point. I get a point. We'll work, work out dates uh, after this, and if you get that point as well, it's going to be difficult, but uh, we'll work it out. So that is our cashing cards. Otis is having a look at the action. So if Miz and Morrison beat Braun down, Otis might take advantage. We might lose our cashing cards. Doesn't matter. But up next it is the WWE Women's Championship on the line, Raw Women's Title, and it is Oscar. Versus Nia Jax. And as far as the Oscar money in the bank briefcase goes, I reckon she cashes it in the next <laughs> night. But it wasn't a cashing card. It was actually a match for the tam- championship because, and for an extra bonus point, Becky Lynch is pregnant. Yes. So what have you thought of uh, Oscar? Uh, what have you thought of Oscar's money in the bank win? Uh, what happened with Becky Lynch and your thoughts on her as a performer before we get to Nia Jax? I was absolutely elated with Oscar winning it. I think if anyone deserves kind of like a road to redemption story, it is Oscar. I mean, she has been treated harshly since moving up to the main roster. Uh, Nia Jax has come back and she's just kind of been the hill that she has been. I, 
I'm not keen on Nia Jax being a heel. You know, it is it is boring. I don't think she's a great worker either. Um, there's lots of other women in that kind of that could be better in that position. Who do you like better, Tamina or Nia Jax? If you talk, we you know we talk about that's you know the kind of monster at the moment, as in what they're portrayed like on TV. Who do you, who would you prefer? Piper Niven. I'm just talking about at the moment. Okay, out with... of the two of them, um, I'd have to say Snooker. You know, uh, Nia Jax, I, I don't know. I was just, just... She, well, she's hurt Kari Sane. That's fact, you know. She's she's hurt Becky Lynch. Uh, a lot of people are saying she's only got a job because she's related through The Rock and she's getting these opportunities. Um, it's I think she's got away with a lot more than many other wrestlers would do, but I think she is talented. Uh, but for I think so, you know, you got to give her a, a chance, maybe. But you give someone too many chances, push her in a position, fans are going to get sick of it sooner rather than later. As opposed to Tamina, it's not really being used. Why would you put Piper Niven in there? Um, I, I just think she's got a lot more talent than Snooker and Jax both. Is she ready for the main roster? Well, you could argue uh, Jackson Snooker ready for the main roster. I mean, you know, I'd say that Piper Niven, with her talent and what she can do in the ring, she'd be able to wrestle circles around both of these women. Um, And, you know, kind of put in that monster woman category, you know, the the larger than average. You know, I think she'd be able to convince in wrestling then Jacks and Snooker both can. Yeah, I, I love Piper Living, there's no doubt about that. Uh so we're gonna move on. We talk about Oscar now coming out here and like I say, fantastic. And let's not forget, next week the WNR celebrate the the women's revolution in WWE with our second part and Oscar has just won the Royal Rumble. It's gonna face Charlotte WrestleMania. What could possibly go wrong? And speaking of Charlotte, she beat Oscar on Raw thanks to Count Out be a counter thanks to Nia Jax. Charlotte has lost her NXT Women's Championship. Is she waiting in line for the winner of this right now? I hope not. <laughs> I mean, that's all you need, you know. Start getting a bit of traction behind Oscar and along comes Charlotte yeah. to fuck things up. Oh, the annoying thing with Oscar is, is that, you know, she was kind of going a bit heelish with the green mist and kind of the, her mannerisms and what she was doing in the ring. And now that... Nia Jax has come along being the big bad hill. Oscar's kind of taken the face role in this scenario. Um, Really, you know, if Oscar's going to be something, they should just let her run and be who she can be and not keep changing her up. No, a confident Oscar. The Oscar we saw in NXT is the best way to go. And Jax is a great challenger to bring that out on her. She seems confident. Prediction-wise, I have gone for Oscar in this matchup. No one is ready for Oscar. I, too, have gone for Oscar. Nia Jax isn't ready. No, I mean, this should be uh, a story told of Oscar showing her toughness. And look at this. She's definitely got the speed advantage. There's no doubt about that. As she starts with a combination now, seems to have no effect on Nia Jax. But again, with the kicks and the punches and the elbows, Oscar could do a lot. And Jax there just trying to show her power, slamming Oscar. Oscar with a submission. And now going with a head scissors, tilt well. Going for the arm, but can't get Jax down. But that's a problem. We've seen this before in matches. Oscar, five or six strikes, and all it takes is Nia Jax for one, and that puts Oscar in a position of hurt. She's backed up in a corner, but Oscar has been there and done it against them all. Let's not forget about it. In NXT, there's no other woman that's been NXT Women's Champion, SmackDown Women's Champion, Raw Women's Champion, Raw Rumble winner, 
and Money in the Bank. And let's not forget she was undefeated for over 500 days as well. So that's got to be something that's got to be very scary. And again, she might be, you know, half the size of Nijax, but she's on top of her. And riding there now, you can see the submission. Well, you come out with all these accolades that Oscars had, and it was all stopped in one night against Charlotte. <laughs> well, no, I think Oscar, is, like, like we say, Becky Lynch is gone, she was the face, and now Oscar has taken her place. And I think that just the faith, and, and for Oscar for sticking with it, after all the kind of bad decisions that they've made, that she stuck through, and now hopefully she can come out the other end Unless she loses to Nia Jax here tonight, which would just be a travesty as well. And again, working the arm. And I don't think Jax really knows what to do at the moment. And as I say that, huge clothesline taking Oscar down. So had Becky Lynch not been uh, impregnated by Seth, would she have been here? Would she have been facing Nia Jax? Would she have been looking over her shoulder for an Oscar cash-in? Or would Oscar have already cashed in at this point? And would she have been going against Jax? Would Oscar have won money in the bank? Would Nia Jax have won it? And then you had the storyline of her cashing in on Becky Lynch at some point. Would re- exactly. What what could have happened? That's the interesting thing. There's only one constant in the women's division, and that is Charlotte. That is the one thing that you can say, guaranteed for the past however long, Charlotte will be a part of the title picture at some point. With Oscar, we don't know. You know, she could come up on the losing end of this feud with Jax, and then what? be putting a tag team again with uh, Kari Sane and carry on doing that. Let's not forget, she's in a much better position she was a couple of months ago. Is that down to what's happened to Becky Lynch? Indeed, yes. Um, again, I like seeing this Oscar. I like seeing champion Oscar. I like seeing, you know, I'd like to see Oscar a bit more dominant. Well, in my eyes, and it's a story they could have told well, is no one could have been better in a championship environment than Oscar. Because we saw it in NXT, the way she could put in a performance... Up until, you know, she came. And even in WWE, you know, in big matches, she's come out on top most of the time. Let's not forget, it took Becky Lynch a year to beat Oscar at the Rumble, you know. So, it's uh, she has kind of been protected. I think the worst part, you know, after her loss at WrestleMania to Charlotte was the losing to Carmella, which I think... And now look at what happened with Carmella since. They kind of thought, oh, this is the flavour of the month. And it kind of faded away. And that was due to kind of money in the bank as well. So... It's, I, sometimes I think they know what to do with the four horsewomen. They don't know what to do with anybody else. Do you know what I'm waiting for? Ember Moon. Well, unfortunately, Ember Moon uh, has, has some injuries and it might be quite bad. I mean, there's hope she can get back. But at this moment in time, uh, there's kind of no timetable on her return. Uh, but there's no doubt Ember Moon versus Oscar in NXT. Like I said, go back to part one for the women's special. You'll be able to listen to that. It's absolutely sensational. Oscar versus Nikki Cross. I mean, how amazing would that be? Last woman standing. Nikki Cross came so close last time. Can she finally overcome? Would that be a perfect redemption story for Nikki Cross to kind of overcome Oscar in a last woman standing match? A throwback from NXT. I think about that, as long as they played up the history of that, you know, and I think that's what's important to do. I think with Oscar, you've got a storyline since the very first day of NXT that makes her, she's a kind of mythical creature in NXT, and I think that she's still got that reputation about her. When Oscar comes out, people still go, oh, fucking hell, because they know what she's about. I still remember the first NXT takeover that Oscar was involved in. I actually put her down to lose. You didn't, did you? That is terrible, well... I don't think I've ever gone against Oscar in predictions, win, lose, or draw. I think mean, that's... Just sake about her is Jax. 
Has oh, tried to control this, but it's not worked for her. She misses a, a seated drop. Oscar with the clothesline into a cover, but only a two count. Two. And she could use the legs as well with the kicks. Absolutely vicious. And when Nia Jack's on the ground, they're both the same height, but still got the power advantage. Just tries for the Irish whip. Jack's throws her into the corner. Oscar running the ropes and hitting a lovely drop kick. Hip attack into a cover. No, Jack's managing to kick out. Uh. I think Oscar was kind of a bit exhausted. Rolls onto Jack's and nearly another cover there, but unsuccessfully. You've got to think this is difficult for Oscar as well. You, you know, we talk about the success. Must play in her mind sometimes. And then when you've got someone like Nia Jax, you've got to come up with, come up with ways uh, to beat him. Because that's another thing about Oscar. She's going to go through. She's going to try and pin you or submit. And that's what makes her, again, a great champion when it comes to that. There is no easy way out for her. Oscar with some head kicks. Jax just catches the legs. Sit out powerbomb into a cover. Oh. But no, only a two count. Two. Oscar still in this one. You can see frustration now from Nia Jax. And it's been a lot, you know, a more back and forth match. I think maybe this match should have gone a little bit way Sheamus and Jeff Hardy did. You know, if you want to look, make Jax look good as opposed to kind of move for move at this moment in time between the two. Yeah, and they're a good way to do it, especially if you want to keep booking Jax as a monster heel. Yeah, I mean, it makes a match more exciting. There's no doubt about that as Oscar again outfoxes Jax. Just starting to get rare in... Ready to finish this. And she goes up top, but Jack's catches her with a headbutt. Oh, but look at that, Oscar. Absolutely brilliant. Grabbed the arm. Got Jack's in position on the outside. And that's the thing with Oscar. Whatever position she's in, she's become a dangerous weapon, whether it be a submission or the kicks. Now he's got Jack's again. Rolls through into the armbar. The armbar locked on the outside. Well, she had it in there. She took it from the inside all the way out. And Jack's with a power... Into the barricade. Well, referee's up to seven. And both women need to get back in. Jax picks up Oscar. And Oscar with a knockout kick. But too late. Oscar can't get back in. Ends in a count out. Well, the closing, mo- the closing moments there were crazy. She took her outside of the ring. Had right, the locked in. Went right into the uh, barricade. And I think they saw the referee there. Referee was counting quite clearly. Didn't see it. Oscar... Fails to get back in. Oscar with a hip attack off the edge of the ring apron to put an exclamation point on that. But is this the way Oscar wants to go down in a title match? Well, not at all. That's what I was saying. Should pin or submit. And uh, for not being able to get back in in this way, it makes you worried and think it's protected Nijax a little bit. But did we really want to count out finish on a pay-per-view? Dan, what are your thoughts? No, I didn't like the end in that way. I mean, you know, anyone could have come out and got involved and it probably would have made it slightly a bit more acceptable. Um, count out, nah. Nah, I don't like that. But obviously there's going to be another match down the line between these two women. But why pull it on a pay-per-view? Why have this for? Why have a Sheamus-Jeff Hardy match and an Oscar-Jacks match if it's just there to continue? This is what, pay- if you're going to, you know, pay money for a pay-per-view or have a, a kind of big show, then you want proper endings and we're not kind of getting that at the moment let's hope it can improve i mean let's not forget the main event the greatest wrestling match ever i mean dan has said randy orton will not let us down and we'll get five star match at least at least a seven star match but are you not annoyed that i mean my man randy orton and edge uh kind of main event in a pay-per-view over your guy drew the WWE champion McIntyre. No, because McIntyre will be main event in WWE pay-per-views for the next 20 years. So Edge and Orton have only got 
what well, a couple of years got left. Ten years left. Um, well, not as a main eventer, is he? Let's you know. Uh, let's well, let's not let's not kid ourselves about that. You know, McIntyre does want to face and possibly lose to Orton let's, in a nice look, rivalry. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We still have got, like we said, the main event layer is going to be Orton and Edge. Orton has to get through Edge. And let's not forget McIntyre has got a huge challenge here tonight. We see MVP talking about him. He's built him up, the almighty, in Bobby Lashley. And what an encounter that will be. So what is Lana still about? I mean, she kind of... Do you think she was part of the reason why her husband's been released? You know, in, in that storyline with Bobby Lashley. She married to Bobby Lashley. Not in real life. No, in storyline. That's yes, that's what. It, yeah, that's why she's around. She's married to Bobby Lashley. But it's. <laughs> I know in real life Rusev's gone, but yeah, unfortunately, come on, get out yeah, of K-Fan, yeah, James. Right, come on. Let's, that's where Lana's about. All right, let's move on. Anyway, Universal Championship up next is a two-on-one handicap. All right, so the story into this one is pretty simple, really. Uh, Braun Strowman has beaten Miz and Morrison in a tag team match and then he beat them in two singles matches back to back and then they said well of course after you've beaten us so easily we'll challenge you to a handicap match at backlash and he went yeah it's too right so i guess because they lost they feel they have an advantage maybe because Braun Strowman lost the intercontinental title in a handicap match back in february maybe they think they have but then since then it's generated into kind of goofy stuff with um we've seen lots of you know stuff going on and it's we've had slime we've had silly segments and it doesn't help Braun out as a universal champion and it doesn't make Miz and Morris look like credible threats Dan what are your thoughts on it no I think this is absolutely silly I definitely do believe that Morrison certainly deserves a lot better than this uh treatment wise um is this just like another pin set up to make Strowman looked like a credible champion for the time being. But he's not a credible champion, you know. I mean, he's beaten Bray Wyatt, but this, to be involved with a tag team, and it's just, you know, even in, like, you know, oh, yeah, he's, he's got the uh, the truck that they were in, and he pushed it over, and it's it re- again, we talk about retreading old things. Braun Strowman was throwing vehicles over a couple of years ago when he was red hot, and now they're trying it again, and he just, for me, just seems like he's waiting here, and I, like I said, I feel sorry for Miz and Morrison, because there is no way uh, that they're going to win. But, you know, you never know. Damn predictions. Who have you gone for in this one? Uh, of course, I've gone for Braun Strowman. Yes, I too have gone Braun Strowman. We are, we've only got one point. We didn't get a point either for the last match. So it's one all at the moment. We're not doing too great, but maybe we can turn the tide here. Can we take any positives from this match? Is it good to see Miz and Morrison involved in the Universal title match? Um, no, if I'd have liked to have seen Morrison involved in a Universal Champion, I'd have liked to have seen it one-on-one and not against someone like Braun Strowman who would kind of obviously steamroll straight through him. Is this a problem that Braun's going to treat him like a couple of jobbers where they don't deserve to be? Yes, that is a huge problem. You know, we've seen with the talent involved uh, with Miz and Morrison, like they, they have been entertaining, there's no doubt about that. But to be involved in this, as soon as it was announced, you know, we weren't happy about it. And uh, it just seems like one of those things where I don't think WWE knows what they're doing. I don't think you talk about long-term planning. Again, we talk about, oh, Charlotte's got to be involved in the women's division. All right, okay, we've got our money in the bank. Uh, We've got our two world champions. Let's just do the least with them. You know, it seems uh, 
It's a little bit disappointing. Well, would you rather have seen uh, Morrison and Miz kind of go in and maybe potentially capture in the tells? Well, even that, or even get the victory over Braun in the build-up to seem some sort of credible challenge to it. They've lost so many times that it doesn't make sense. You know, the whole point of, well, we've beaten you so many times that maybe, you know, you can't beat us. That makes sense. Not the other way around. You can't build... And the Hills on SmackDown and even Raw... Talk about who's the big bad guys now. Do you know what I mean? Who have we got? We've got Seth Rollins. Randy um, Orton. Randy Orton. Yeah. Who else? Fiend. Fiend, oh, Fiend is the kind of bad guy, but gets great reactions, doesn't he? So, uh, yeah. And this is now we're the result to Miz and Morrison. Well, no. Before the match, James, we have actually got a music video from Miz and Morrison. It's called Hey, Hey, Hey. Morrison looking more like Matt Hardy every day. Wonderful. <laughs> It's not actually going to be a whole video, is it? I do believe it is going to be a whole video. Oh, there they go, dancing in the ring to it. I didn't know that Miz had such a great voice. So, um, putting someone as a joke character, <laughs> is there any way to redeem credibility from this? Um, they can't. Funny can be money, but you have to be serious at some point. And at the moment, it's only been a joke, really. But it's a catchy song. Hey, 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 I like it. I actually couldn't think of anything i hate more i mean this is absolutely awful it's not that bad did you see john morrison when he was on uh tna yeah yeah he looks absolutely shit up unstoppable he's come to wwe and he's got this but i mean at least he's involved in the universal title match I mean, Braun Strowman has just interrupted it, so I suppose that is a good thing. I mean, this is kind of like just a whole complete silly segment. I wouldn't even class this as a match, just a... Strowman is here, and he's ready to go through Miz and Morrison, but maybe the games have got into Braun's head a little bit, maybe to the advantage of Miz and Morrison, if they can work as a team, can a great team be just one man? It is Butter Man. I don't know why he's made but of Butter. But he is a monster among men. Yeah, so I mean, again... Plays off with the uh, the gimmick, I suppose. So, Universal Championship. So, and again, only one man can win this. So, it's going to be interesting if we do see any dissension. But they're going to have to work their uh, work hard to try and get Braun down. And the Miz looking to start, but tags in Morrison and attacks Braun from behind. I think if Morrison puts in a good performance whilst getting obliterated by Strowman, I think, you know, this could kind of put Morrison in good contention. For being a legitimate performer. Well, there's no doubt he is, you know, we talk about the... There might be a duck in it. Uh, we talk about the kind of speed and quickness of Morrison managing to get out of the way of Braun Strowman. And you can just see it with a performance like that. And this is what they're going to have to do as well. Use the numbers as Morrison tries to sneak from behind. And uh, he gets caught, but Miz comes in from behind on the other end of the ring. Tag into Morrison. Double drop kick sends Strowman back into the corner. Do you think there will be some like rivalry between Miz and Morrison about who gets the pin, or do you reckon just they'll be happy if them get it? Well, I think at the moment they'll be happy if either of them get it, but uh, it depends if they can get Braun down. At the moment, Braun don't look like he's going down anytime soon. Just catches Morrison across the throat and throws him across the ring. They're wearing matching outfits, though. I do like that. You know, they have become. Like I said, they're a good tag team, and it, the tag team division is stronger with them in it. I feel, but like you said. They're great individuals when used correctly. And now Miz with the right hands of the boot, but I think it just angered Braun. Well, Miz 
backing off. I don't think Morrison wants the tag. He's not up on the apron at the moment. So Miz is going to have to go it alone as he gets kicked back to the corner. And Braun, he doesn't mind who he takes on. Well, Miz was thrown and the tag was made. Miz gets eliminated from the rumble. Both men are on the outside. James, are we going to see the Strowman Express? Well, Braun getting ready. Uh, Miz runs in. Morrison's springboard in Seguri. Takes Strowman off the apron. Tags in the Miz. Again, both both men are going to work together. <laughs> Baseful slide by the Miz. Morrison going over the top to take out Strowman. A beautiful corkscrew there. Strowman down to a knee now. And this is what Miz and Morrison need in this matchup. Lee Braun down. A huge kick by the Miz, but wow, the power of Braun. I don't even think there was a one count. One. Miz, though, going to the sleeper now. Just trying to drain the energy. Of course, the longer this goes, the more it's going to favour Miz and Morrison, especially with a fresher person in there. Well, there was a tag as Morrison was, uh, as Strowman was breaking up the sleeper. Now it's Morrison with the nice kicks and the forearm shots. And now as Miz recovers, Morrison's kind of going on the offence, taking more and more out of Strowman. And a huge knee to the face as well. And there's no doubt Morrison, like you talk about, putting a great performance here tonight, maybe down the road. You'd think the split is going to come between the two of them, so one of them's going to have to come out. Do you remember Eminem? Going for the cover, yes. Mercury. And Melina. Oh, look at how many tag team partners the Miz has had. Miz and Big Show. Miz and Jericho. Miz. Mer- R-Truth, Miz. Miz and Jericho, yeah. R-Truth. The Miz has been around. And so is Morrison, like I said. That these have accomplished everything they can. You know, like I said, multiple time tag team champions, multiple time United States Intercontinental. It's about taking that next step and being considered as a main event star. And unfortunately, if it's on a handicap match, it's not going to be make you a legitimate threat if you're treated in that way. You know, the Miz defeated John Cena, yes, thanks to The Rock, but, you know, he did it at WrestleMania. Now he's having to use a tag team partner to barely get an advantage over Braun Strowman. So. So do you think this is kind of knocking the credibility of Miz and Morrison as opposed to building up Braun Strowman? And it's knocking the credibility of Braun because he's beaten them so fucking easily. He's beaten them before, so why would there be any surprise if you beat him again? Hey, big man misses, goes into the ring post. That's his favourite move, that is, as well. And don't get me wrong, I don't dislike Braun. It's just, again, not using it right. As Morrison now, another beautiful spring ball. Morrison looking for the running knee? Yeah. Or was it supposed to have been hit? Or I don't uh, know. Didn't look like it hit at all as the Miz gets a tag. A forearm smash. Now the Miz maybe looks to finish things with a skull-crushing finale. Morrison gets the tag in. A skull-crushing finale with a knee to the back. That has got to be it. Morrison into the cover to... Whoa! Oh, the Miz broke it up. That could have been all over. Well, you talk about dissension... And Morrison, <laughs> Miz saying, I'm sorry, goes back into the cover. But this time, Braun powers out at two. Two. Sends Morrison all the way out. And Miz, I think, was just as an ego thing, just for a second. Didn't want his glory. Well, if you're going to do something like this, you would have said, look, whoever wins it, the tag team partner's guaranteed to have the first shot of the title. I swear, maybe, maybe they're not as intelligent as what we would decide as Miz gets hit with a choke slam. Morrison comes flying off the top rope, gets taken out by Strowman, and that's it. He's had enough. Uh oh, he's got Morrison. Running power slam. One, two, three. Fuck it. And that took no time at all. Well, it seems like <laughs> Strowman was actually toying with him for the majority of this match, and he just got pissed off and said, Yeah, enough's enough. 
I'm ending it now. Well, this is the shortest match that we've had so far. And does that say something about the state of Universal Championship? Miz and Morrison lose. Did not see that coming. Uh, Dan, what do you think of the match? <laughs> Again, I, I can't really class it as a match. It was more of just like a, an extended skit. Um, you know, it's it's a way of kind of putting over Strowman as a legitimate champion, but I think it's hampered Morrison and Miz more than putting Strowman over. Well, it's, it seems interesting. I mean, the match itself wasn't too bad, but again, for for what it was in length, it just there was no point for it. I mean, Braun could have pinned uh, uh, Michael Cole for all it. You know, that's how they built up Morrison and Miz. What happens from it? It was a nice moment, a little bit of dissension between the two. But again, this is more about Strowman. But at this moment, I'm not excited about what's next for um, Braun Strowman, if you know what I mean, in that way. So AJ is the new Intercontinental Champion, and it was an incredible match. Went at least 30 minutes. At least 35 minutes. Yeah, and it was just a, it was a wrestling clinic between the two and AJ coming out on top. And what I liked about even more to it was going, well, we know Daniel Bryan's one because uh, Brie posted it on uh, Instagram and we were like, well, maybe that was a work. And it turned out it was. And what do you think about AJ uh, being a champion? Is it the right move for him? Yeah, I think it's brilliant for him. It's going to bring a bit of legitimacy back to the belt that was kind of thrown about and not quite used properly. Well, yeah, I think this is the thing we've seen in WWE title belts. Maybe... Not used correctly, but AJ, I think, can have a great run. And he's one of the titles that has eluded him, and he's finally got that. There is only one championship he's not won, I think, in WWE at this moment in time uh, to become a Grand Slam champion, and that is the Tag Team Championship. So if you were going to pick a partner for AJ... Daniel Bryan. Ah, that would be quite cool. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> so, like we say, it's going to be an interesting AJ, of course... Uh, this match wasn't on back. This match is going to be better than the main event was. So that's why they couldn't have, you know, the great rest of the match and then another match was better. But we say, it might prove me wrong. You might. Well, James, I, I have faith. Well, up next should get serious because it's a WWE Championship on the line. And it is our man, Julian McIntyre, facing Bobby Lashley. And this will be an almighty challenge for the Scotsman. So, Dan, it's been 13 years since Lashley had a one-on-one opportunity for the WWE Championship. Who was the man he faced 13 years ago? Um, John Cena. It was John Cena at the Great American Bash, and it actually was a really good match. Of course, Bobby Lashley has been ECW champion in the past. And, of course, he's faced Drew McIntyre in Impact for the Impact uh, World title. So these two men How did that match go, James? I don't want to talk about it. How did the match go? How did that match go? How did um, the match go? Well, I'll tell you, but Drew McIntyre didn't win. So oh, I said it. <laughs> so should McIntyre be worried about tonight? If it was in Impact, then it doesn't count. <laughs> so Apparently. So, yeah, exactly. So, is Lashley a credible challenger? I think he's more credible than Miz and Morrison were to Strowman. Yes, most definitely, yeah. Um, again, there's been a bit of talk on Twitter that, you know, people are actually supporting... Uh, don't look at me like that. What? Don't look at me like that. What? Well, they're not supporting Drew McIntyre. They're actually supporting Bobby Lashley. Well, got, some people want Bobby Lashley to win. A few people want Bobby Lashley to win. A lot of people, okay? I said it. So, are you on the Lashley train now, Len? Do you think he deserves an opportunity? What are your thoughts on Bobby Lashley? Um, 
I still can't get out of his mind how he kind of represented Donald Trump in a hair versus hair match. So he's lost all credibility since then. Well, it's going to be interesting. I mean, McIntyre's title run, I mean, he had a great match with Seth Rollins at Money in the Bank. And I think there's a lot of uh, chemistry between the two men that can maybe prove uh, people wrong here and not expecting a lot in this matchup. I think the problem for McIntyre, he has been a dominant champion and maybe too dominant sometimes when you think you need uh, a challenger. But there's Lashley, and these two men match up well. Look, size, you know, so that's going to be interesting. Yeah, Bobby Lashley, I think he's a bit of a credible challenger, especially after, you know, these two guys, they've had quite similar paths. You know, they was kind of billed as the next big things, went away, remodeled themselves in Impact, come back, and they've kind of got a bit of rep behind them. Bobby Lashley's hasn't kind of come off with the traction that Drew McIntyre's had, though. Yeah, I think this is the thing. I, but I think MVP is the perfect fit with Bobby Lashley to be a mouthpiece. I think that's one thing maybe Lashley has lacked, and that is to have a voice, and I think, with MVP there. But again, you've got to be careful with um, overexposure for MVP, you know. So it's, it's going to be a difficult line to tread. But it is good to see, and of course, we've had the Black Lives Matter uh, the things going on, of course, with Bobby Lashley. And, uh, of course, there's not been enough black wrestlers getting either opportunities or, you know, wherever it is in WWE, and hopefully that's something that can be looked at because there's no doubt the talent there is fantastic. There's something the WNL podcast that do, and we don't really like to talk about see colour in that sort of way. We just support the great wrestlers, you know. And you talk about in NXT right now, you've got Keith Lee, who's going to be a uh, future, you know, in our eyes, NXT champion and going to go up to the main roster. Someone like Kofi Kingston has been around for so many years as well. And there's someone like Lashley, who's just not getting the opportunities. Or if he's getting the opportunities, they're not quite coming through for him. Well, look at the, like he's talking about, the Rusev storyline and, and what happened there. I mean, oh. where, you know... Did you just live Morgan and then drop the ball in that way when you've got people interested at a certain point? But hopefully this is kind of like a road to redemption for Lashley. You know, he may not come inside here tonight, but to put in a good match, a good showing against Drew McIntyre, someone who has been a very dominant champion, that is certainly going to come across as a plus in the box for Lashley. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. So it's going to be interesting to see who wins in prediction time. I, of course, have gone for... And still, my WWE champion, Drew McIntyre. I have gone for, and no! no. I've gone for Drew McIntyre. I don't think it's his time to give it up just yet. Well, it's going to be interesting. About, I hope this match can steal the show here tonight. And I don't think that will be that difficult so far. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see. And Lashley looks like he means business. The same with McIntyre. Wow, Lashley's straight off the mark, not even allowed McIntyre to get his jacket off. They're not had the introductions, and he's got it in. The match hasn't even started. Well, it's not official yet, but McIntyre's in trouble. And the official's coming out, but Lashley's got McIntyre. Yeah, locked in the full Nelson, and it's actually right for Lashley to use that, because he was the person that broke the master lock. Yeah, that's an excellent point. You can see the power as well of Lashley, and what a game plan. You've got to think maybe MVP... Has helped with that a little bit. Indeed, yes. And McIntyre's not going to be one to back down. He's going to want the match to start. And he's going to want to get up and get it going. But how much has he got to give? Well, that's what I'm saying. This is the story now. McIntyre, tough as old boots, of course. But Lashley's on the prowl. And he looks like an absolute killer here tonight. This is a Bobby Lashley that I've been wanting to see for a very long time. 
There we go, the bell, bell rings. <laughs> and Lashley again, straight on the offence. Look at that, moving the ring with the shoulder thrust to McIntyre. And I don't think I've seen McIntyre in this predicament since before the Royal Rumble, really. He's, he's 2020 has been on fire. Slammed by Lashley into a cover, but McIntyre kicking out. Uh, Lashley now just seeing what McIntyre's got in the tank. You've got to think for the almighty, you know, he's beaten McIntyre before, so why can't he do it again? As Lana's looking on backstage. Lashley now working over the head of McIntyre. Here he comes running in. But no, McIntyre managing to get a knee up. Well, it's Drew's first offensive move, I think. Followed by a couple of huge chops, and he still hasn't managed to jack it off. <laughs> and he gets taken down by a clothesline from Lashley. I remember when Austin used to... Have uh, have the vest on and still fight with that. So McIntyre's Alar Austin, I suppose. Alar Austin. Alar Austin. I worked a hard way to get that one in, but I thought it was worth it. As Lashley now with a knee, we'll let the viewers decide. Viewers, the listeners. Lashley now has had enough. He's going to jack it off himself. Yeah, he's. He heard you. Jacked <laughs> off. These two men are well, are magnificent physical specimens as well. There's no doubt about that. But Lashley certainly is. Brimming with confidence. And the thing is, MVP at the ringside is going to play perfectly because, of course, not that many in the crowd. So Lashley can hear every word that MVP is saying to him, coaching him through this match as well, even when he gets in trouble and saying, this is what you should do. McIntyre hasn't got that at this moment in time. Well, not at all, but McIntyre hit a lovely Northern Lights suplex, but Bobby Lashley straight back on the offense. And Lashley is quick as well. There's no doubt. I think people forget about that sometimes, the speed that this man possesses. So MVP, I mean, you know, we kind of haven't really spoken about his in-ring ability. I thought he was good. He's a good worker. I mean, a bit weird about what happened with him and Chris Benoit. But, you know, he's a guy I don't mind. And it's good to see him back. Yeah, I think he was a good worker. Very technical, very good. But he was someone that was never destined for anything higher than mid-card. Yeah. But is that because of the colour of his skin? And that's, that's the kind of thing, isn't it? You know, when we look back, I think a lot of wrestlers from that time period... Uh, mid carders people like Carlito and like Chris Masters were maybe at a certain point and they just were like no let's not do anything with them and that is the problem about building stars anybody from that period even like Miz and Morrison what happened then Morrison went had to go away you know Miz finally got through Lashley had to go away same with McIntyre as well so sometimes been a lot of roadblocks put in place for a lot of wrestlers without a doubt these two guys had to wait you know a decade to get their first title shots as McIntyre just eliminates Lashley from the Rumble right in front of MVP. And then sends him into barricade. He does it again and Lashley's head hits the back of that plexiglass. Of plexiglass. And now McIntyre facing off MVP. But again, this is another way to help out Bobby Lashley. If you want to distract someone, you get in there. Fu- Jesus fucking Christ. Wow. And then he broke McIntyre's neck then, but it did slam him down. Referee's counting. We don't want an Oscar thing. Oh, certainly not now. Picks him up again. Jesus. Rams him into the ring post. Well, you can hear the clatter of that as McIntyre. And I don't think I've seen McIntyre being manhandled like that. Referee's up to eight. Lashley throws McIntyre back into the ring. He rolls back out McIntyre. I think McIntyre needs some uh, time just to recover. Well, he hasn't really got out of the blocks in this match. Oh, and here comes Lashley now. Going to come running in. Oh, looking to pounce McIntyre, who turns it around into a kind of hip lock. Throws him into barricade. And McIntyre hits a huge suplex on those mats. Dan, how thin are those mats? Well, those mats are way for thin. They're just barely millimetres thick over pure concrete. Not a nice landing at all. And these two guys just giving everything at this moment in time. And this is what I, I love it when you get like kind of super heavyweights or heavyweights that just give each other 
Do you know what I mean? Just throw each other around like they would do the wrestlers or not. And these two guys just slugging it out. Lovely knife edge chop by McIntyre. Respond. Uh, Lashley responds with a huge kick. Irish whip reversed. McIntyre into the corner but comes out running with a clothesline. Now McIntyre's starting to get a bit of momentum going. Look at from top. Clothesline takedown. I tell you something that has changed in 20 years. The, the, the athletes themselves. You know, when we talk about guys their size. Yes, you had Bam Bam Bigelow or a few others like that. But to these two, for McIntyre to be able to leap up top or to be able to just keep up like he just did, it just shows you how much it has changed. But again, I see that back in the day, like, super heavyweights were rather large around the midsection. Not like these two absolute built specimens. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, it is just incredible. McIntyre there, Alabama slam. But only gets a two. Two. An MVP there maybe uh, might have to mop the brow a little bit. McIntyre might have gone for future shot there, but Lashley managing to reverse it. And a, a huge one-arm spine buster. One arm, just beautiful. Only a Only one. Only getting a one count, though, <laughs> and even Lashley's surprised by that. And now Lashley sends McIntyre into the post. Flatliner, into a cover. Again, just a one count. One. Well, Lashley, I think, thinking McIntyre's take the piss now. MVP saying, look, keep on him, keep on him. Well, Lashley believes it's his time, and look how focused he is. McIntyre in serious trouble. And now Lashley going for it. He's got one arm, but he can't get it, the grip as McIntyre fighting. Well, if them fingers get locked behind his head, McIntyre's over. Well, he might not tap out, but the pain will be excruciating as McIntyre just trying to fight this off. But sent into the turnbuckle. Now Lashley just working the back of the head, but McIntyre's got him on his shoulders. Looking for another Alabama slam, but Lashley's holding on to the ropes. Well, he's got more power here. Lashley or McIntyre. Plants. <laughs> Lashley. Into a cover. Two. No, Lashley kicking out. Oh. And just like that, you know, you talk about a high-impact move. Lashley's still managing to be in this and up before McIntyre. Tells you the toughness. Lashley's picking his shot now. Well, sends McIntyre over the top rope. Who hangs Lashley up. Drew's going off top. It's caught by Lashley. Crossface. Oh, not like this. McIntyre in trouble, trying to move out the crossface. And you can just see, I mean, um, let's not forget Lashley's been in MMA, been successful in Bellator with a lot of victories with submission. And powers him up with a tombstone. No, Lashley rolls through. Ankle lock. <laughs> We've gone from Benoit to Undertaker to Angle. <laughs> We're talking about the greats being used and Lashley just twisting that leg, but McIntyre managing to throw Lashley away. Was that a spear? Lashley went into a spear, but McIntyre blocked it. Was that Kimura lock? And now he's got it in, so he got it to Lesnar. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> and now Lashley... Going from Goldberg to Lesnar. Well, Lashley picking himself up on the apron. McIntyre in a lot of serious trouble. McIntyre bouncing Lashley head first off the turnbuckle. Oh, this is going to be a lot of trouble if he hits this. Both men going up to the top turnbuckle. I think the ring might implode. <laughs> And can McIntyre, has he got the power to get Lashley up? Yes, up and over, but not enough in the tank to capitalise on it. I think that took more out of McIntyre than Lashley. Look at McIntyre at the moment, face down on the mat. And what an absolute great match it's been as McIntyre now. Calling for the end. Managing to kip up and now looking ready. Here comes the Claymore countdown. Oh! No, spear from Lashley. One, two, three. Oh! oh. 
McIntyre managing to kick out. Uh, only just. Well, he's still WWE champion at this moment. For now, but Lana's made her way down. And what is Lana doing coming out here? Lashley seems to be on top at the moment. Lana now. Oh. Lashley nearly went face first into her. Manages to stop himself. Goes into a second time of asking her from a Glasgow kiss. Straight into a Claymore. This has got to be it. One, two, three. Yes. And Drew McIntyre retains the WWE Championship. Well, things look to be going quite well then. Actually hit the spear. But Lana coming out. Telling the referee he cheated or something like that. Like he said, second time. Lashley into her. Every managed to save her from the drop. Blen, of course, couldn't save him for the Claymore kick. Shows you how dangerous that is. But what a match for these two men. Yeah, it was a good match. Um, I think Bobby Lashley certainly put on a prof- uh, a impressive performance. Can't even get my words out there. Um, yeah, I think, you know, once Lana's come out of the picture, MVP and Lashley can actually do wonders. I don't want to take the limelight away from Drew McIntyre. Again, a brilliant performance from him. But I think Lashley went down a bit too easy to just one Claymore kick. I mean, as soon as I brought Lesnar, it took about 12. Yes, but that is Brock Lesnar. I think, you know, bring, build the Claymore kick up a little bit so you don't have constant kickouts. Uh, I think that would help. McIntyre is dominant, but I think this is Lashley's best performance in a very long time. I would love to see a rematch when Lana's not involved. You know, I think that kind of did ruin it a little bit, but I think it... McIntyre looks strong in this one because of what he had to overcome as well. You know, Absolutely, yeah. It was a quick start from Bobby Lashley. Got the full Nelson locked in. Um, and from then, it was kind of like an uphill battle for McIntyre. But again, you know, someone to overcome. I think this made McIntyre look better than Miz and Morrison made better. Yeah, I think without a shadow of a doubt about that one. And McIntyre gets the victory. So that means that afterwards that we both get a point. So it's free, free heading into our next match. Well, in the semi-main event spot of WWE Backlash, the Street Profits put their Raw Tag Team Championships on the line against the Viking Raiders in a cinematic match. Well, the match got started in the parking lot when an accidentally busted the windshield of Braun Strowman's car. Went into the tent area just outside the performance center. Ivor had a daydream for the bowling competition. Then he tossed a bowling ball into the crotch of Montez Ford. Ivor went to check on Eric just as Angelo Dawkins speared Eric through a window. Well, Eric had a dream from their golf competition and declared they could do anything better than street profits. Back outside, a bunch of people showed up on motorcycles one of the bikers, or ninjas, took off his helmet and revealed himself as Akira Tozawa and said we can do better with subtitles to translate. Viking Raiders joined forces to become the Viking Prophets so they could take the ninjas in a comedic fight scene. They took out the ninjas but then a seven foot tall ninja appeared. Viking, uh, Street Prophets and Raiders wanted nothing to do with a giant ninja after he pulled a sword outside. Well, the fight continued on top of a production truck and then Dawkins and Eric fell off it. Ivor pushed Ford off the truck and into a dumpster. All four men ended up in a dumpster. Another dream sequence with flashbacks to segments that aired in previous weeks. Ref Jessica Carr appeared to tell him that the match was next. As something was heard growling in a dumpster bin and that was the end of the segment. There was no winner. So, uh, again... Interesting, I'm not sure about it. Um, you can't really say much. We can't get award ourselves points on this, even though we both went... Well, who did we go for in the Street Profits? I think we did. Yeah. Uh, so, again, we're still on free all as we go main event. 
So another non-finish. Yeah. On a pay-per-view. All right, so our main event is going to be the greatest wrestling match ever. I can't wait. I can't wait for the greatest wrestling match ever. It is going to be Randy Orton versus Edge. Dan, I'll let you take the build-up to this. Well, it all started back at the Royal Rumble in January when Edge made his triumphant return back to wrestling after, what, seven years off? From, well, retirement, he had neck surgery, his neck was fused together. He came back, we we thought we was going to have a return of rated RKO, the greatest tag team in wrestling history. But that wasn't the case, Randy Orton threw Edge out. No, Edge threw Randy Orton out. And then in a way to kind of brag about things, he kind of uh, had his wife RKO'd. That led to a match at WrestleMania, which was a bit lacklustre. It went on for a very long time. Um, far too long for what a match should be. And, it's, you know, it wasn't the greatest match. Um, you know, fast forward, and there's been a bit more build to this. Uh, Edge and Randy Orton, they've kind of built themselves to have the greatest match in wrestling history here tonight at Backlash. Yeah. But it can't actually happen, can it? It's possibly it can't be the greatest wrestling match ever, can it? It can be. What would they need to do to make it the greatest wrestling match ever? I think both wrestlers they certainly have the ability in them to have the greatest wrestling match ever. They you know, they just need to kind of go out and be themselves. They don't need to do like seven nineties off top of Titan Trons and kind of, you know, backflip Hurricane Rana, Con Hilo, Tope Suicidas off of uh the edge of the ring apron. They don't need to do that. They just need to go out and deliver something with meaning, something with, you know, a lot of back and forthness to it. I suppose so. Um, all right, so who have you come for in this match? Well, in the greatest wrestling match, I have gone for the greatest wrestler ever, Randy Orton. Randy Orton. Uh, and it means if, if we've gone the same, we will draw this pay-per-view. It's been one of our worst scoring pay-per-views for a very long time. But I have gone for Randy Orton, so it's a draw. Yes, and I absolutely love this as well. They've kind of got a legend announcing this match. He's unfortunately not with us anymore. Rest in peace. How are you thinking? Rest in peace. <laughs> Rest in peace, Howard Finkel. But they've kind of gone really old school with this match. Howard Finkel doing the announcements. Unfortunately, not here anymore. No. Charles Robinson. Wearing a dicky bow tie with his shirt. Again, old school vibe to this match. Liam Estree, Mike coming down. Speaking of Howard Finkel as well, it's an absolute legend. Like I said, unfortunately passed away. But he is on Legends House on the network if you want to catch him out. And he is, yeah, I've been mean, re-watching that recently. It's brilliant. But now, it's about the action. Like you've even got Charles Robinson laying down the law. You don't get this anymore. Here we go. Greatest match ever, Dan. The match you've been waiting forward to. Here we go. Connor and Elbow tie up to start. And both men just rolling around the ring. Oh, it's been nine and a half years since Edge's last proper match. Did Orton just out-wrestle Edge there? He does have that. I mean, it makes you wonder what is going through each man's head. I mean, Edge, he's got to be kind of wary of his neck surgeries. Randy Orton, I mean, you, can't, you can never go know what's going on. There's so many voices in his head. No, well, that's true, but I think he did get the exchange for then, and now his side headlock. I expect this match to be fucking long. Shoulder blocked by Orton. Nice leapfrog by Edge, and a knife. And then another one. Whoa, went for the third, but I suppose that's what Orton can do, can't he? Indeed. Just put the brakes on immediately. 
Like I said, that's what he can do. So how would you rank... I know you love Randy Orton, but as a wrestler, seriously, where would you rate him? He's not better than Bret Hart, is he? Not technically wise, no. But I think, you know, with Randy Orton, a majority of the time, you just feel he ca- he is just phoning it in. You know, he has had some very good matches. Yeah, you know, the likes of Dave Meltzer might not, you know, rank him as five, six, seven, eight-star matches. But, you know, in terms of longevity of his career and the way he's protected himself, you know, just everything. When he is, he can be the best heel in wrestling full stop but they find out though if you've been saying it for a long time there's gonna be times where you're just phoning it in and you know you're not as invested as you are other points yeah you know there is gonna be times i mean you know you've been at your job for a long time do you just phone it in most of the time yes and i mean you've been doing this podcast for five years i'm sure sometimes you just phone it right (laughs) i never phone it in james it's always me 100 percent i mean i'm going through the motions no never (laughs) or now (laughs) it's got edged down Oh, ho, 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 ho. Randy Orton is just one step ahead of Edge. I mean, he had Edge, Edge's head trapped between his legs. Edge escaped, looking to take Orton down with a clothesline. But Edge is just one step ahead of uh, Orton's one step ahead of Edge at the moment. It's going to be difficult for Edge to try and get back into the groove, especially with a man that knows him so well. Indeed, yes. And Orton hasn't got any niggling thoughts in the back of his mind either. You know, Edge has. You know, Edge is like, you know, I've got to protect my neck and you know I've got to look after myself whereas Orton can just go out there and go nuts and target the yeah. neck of edge I mean Orton doesn't care about anybody not even his wife and kid you know what I mean like that's what we've seen with Orton when he gets into the mood here and that's absolutely brilliant by on just the little things you know those doing the leapfrog lay down thing edge jumped over Orton just lifted his hand tripped edge sent him sailing out of the ring I mean just little things like that yeah right yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. Nothing. I'm not seeing AEW. Go fuck AEW. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I knew that again. Yeah. Come on. We've got about another 90 minutes of Shut this. Shut up, Dave Meltzer. Come on. And Edge now going the outside, taking a long count. Another collar and elbow tie up. Oh, and sending Edge all the way in the corner. You're gonna have to do something to make me excited about this one. Just. I'm gonna watch, but we have to talk about it. That's the whole point of a podcast. <laughs> oh, look at these peeky boo. Well, it is a couple of mind games between two legends of the game. And Orton kind of trying to outplay Edge. But Edge, I think he kind of knew Orton's game plan going into that and kind of countered his counter. Edge pretended to go outside, going back into the ring, coming outside. Orton coming around the ring post and just walking into a big boot. And now it's Edge with the upper hand going back into this match, looking for a cover. Not to try and pin him, but just trying to make Orton expel energy. Who's the other two? Edge is better than Orton, isn't he? Come on. Come on. I think Edge was better than Orton. But now he's too... He's more careful, obviously, you know, with everything that he's been through. How many more bad matches or how many more matches that aren't great that Edge is going to have or something to happen to him that you would say um, maybe he hasn't got it in him? Or is it too soon to say? I think it is too soon to say, you know. He has had a huge layoff. Um... You know, yeah, he's been practicing, but it's not the same out there on the main stage, doing it in front of cameras, doing it in front of a rather small audience, be it an audience, um, you know, with all this pressure as well. Edge with a deep arm drag down and grabbing the arm. Straight into a key lock. You talk about neck in- injuries, though, and they just remind me, Orton's had a lot of shoulder injuries, so do you think that's what Edge is targeting? He, he would be very wise to target the shoulder, but I mean, that is kind of... If Randy Orton does have one minute, slight, tiny little weakness it is his shoulder. But then again, he's been... I don't know, 
pretty injury free past couple of years from my thinking. I don't think there's anything that kind of major. Indeed, yes, but you know that is Randy Orton. He doesn't take unnecessary. Yeah, there's a reason why Edge had to retire. You know, nearly ten years ago with all the TLC matches, like I said, all the spears and all the risks that he was taking, and someone like Orton who doesn't has maintained it. And I think Edge has helped Orton become a main event star again. I think, oh, most certainly. You know, yeah. I think Orton was a little bit retreading, kind of not really going anywhere. No, he was just treading water, but I think this is kind of bringing a new lease of life to him. Say, you know, say our predictions are true and Randy Orton does win this match. Does this kind of put him in line to be a challenger very soon down the line? I think it does. You know, I think both of these men... Look, I mean, McIntyre needs uh, victories against superstars. I think all Edge and Orton are perfect for that. You didn't want to just give the fucking limelight to Randy Orton. You had to mention <laughs> Edge in there as well. You're a dick. Oh, I'm the dick. Oh, you've not done that for nearly 300 episodes now. <laughs> I've learned from the best. And now it's Edge with a submission. Side headlock again, and they can take their time. Well, again, you know, we like a slow build, a slow burn to a match, James. We said this multiple times. So if he does come off on the losing side for this, what would be next for Edge? Would this be like a retirement, or would there be more for him going down the line? I don't even know what his contract, you know, his wrestling contract back with WWE is. Uh, his contract, I think, is for three years, and it's for... I think it's either four or six appearances, or eight appearances, four matches in a year. So you would expect a rubber match between him and Orton at SummerSlam. Depending on Orton win, that's what we've gone for. But that's the predictions haven't been great tonight. Uh, Head scissors takedown sends Orton out of the ring. I don't think Edge has done that move in about 20 years, but now he's going up top. Well, Orton manages to recover and cut Edge off. I mean, even Orton, he's been in like a few Money in the Bank ladder matches. He... I can't even remember him taking risks in them. It's like, you know, we know what Edge has done. He's speared people off the top of a ladder who was hanging on to a title belt. You know, we've seen him taking no, numerous table bumps. And not just in the TLC matches, but I think he took a couple against John Cena as well. Mm. Well, he's looking to try and suplex Edge to the outside, maybe now. Edge fighting with everything he's got. Headbutts Orton, sends him back down, but Orton... Relentless comes back, but another headbutt sends Orton back to the edge of the ring apron. Wow, and Edge just taking Orton off the edge of the ring apron, putting his own body in harm's way. Oh. And then Randy's been busted open. Well, Randy seems to like it, but might be in serious trouble now as Edge just took him out. I think it's from the headbutt. I think it was. And the performance centre's chart, this is awesome as Edge grabs the arm. Just an arm ringer onto the edge of the ring apron. Straight across the corner of the ring as well. And that was vicious by Edge. As now Edge has got a different look. And we talk about the dark side of Orton. There's no doubt Edge, the rated R superstar, has the moments as, as why he became such a successful champion in WWE. And now he can smell the blood. Edge looks a lot slimmer in the face. Yeah, that's what I think. A bit gaunt, isn't he? Yeah. He's Edge now with the right hands. And he seems to be control of Orton. Charles Robinson putting the blue gloves on. At least it goes with his blue outfit. It's quite nice. Yeah, I think that's why he didn't go with the black ones. <laughs> well, it looked like Orton had the advantage at the set. Really, a little bit of speed and that wrestling of Edge. And now it seems to the tide has turned with Edge now busted Orton open and working a midsection. Side Russian leg sweep into a crossface. Again, targeting the shoulder as well as kind of putting Orton in a lot of uh, pain. And Orton now, will he tap out here? He might, you know. Struggling to get that bottom rope. And he gets there, breaks up the submission, and Edge will have to uh, come back. 
And Orton managing to get up to his feet. Oh, nearly hit an RKO, but Edge narrowly avoided it. And now Edge going for a head and arm choke, trying to put Orton away. Orton managed to get to know, forcing Charles Robinson to break it. Do you think Vincent Mann said to the performance centre recruit, said, you better cheer, God damn it, for these guys. No, he didn't. I think he did. And now Edge with the chops. Irish whip, avoided by Orton. That's Randy. Oh, wow. Going for his panted uh, back slash neck breaker on Edge. Well documented documented with neck issues. Edge in a little bit of pain rolls to the outside. Orton slivers out after him though. And he's just lurking. No, Dan, he's just looking for Edge. He's not just looking for Edge. He's out there trying to hurt him. There you go. We'll work on that and see where it goes. Oh, my God, Edge against the Pexaglass. Well, back of his neck hit first. And on the attack, literally from pillar to post. From barricade to plexiglass to ring post to the announce table now. Or oh, rolling into the ring to break the referee's count. So is it a case that these guys have got different gears to go up to, but they're choosing not to at this moment in time then? Well, they know it's going to be a battle. I mean, their last match was quite a lengthy battle. So this one, you know, they're going to try and pace themselves so they don't wear themselves out before, you know, too long and not exert too much energy. And you've got to think how difficult it is to actually have your opponent know you so well know what you're going to do and having to actually change it up and you know not having your you can't go with your strongest move set because the other one will know what to do to reverse it well you have to ap- uh, adapt improvise and overcome i mean i'm sure in the nine years edge has been off he has been watching all matches you know because they was such close friends up and down the road so you know he's going to have been taking an interest or any new moves randy might have added to his repertoire have been already scouted by edge and Orton now just taking it up Another level sending Edge onto the announce table. And Orton whispering sweet nothings. Orton throws Edge back in. Two. No, just a two count. Two. Orton unsuccessful with a cover attempt. (coughs) Do you think Orton has underestimated Edge in his comeback? Well, I think he was going to be an easy target or an easier target than uh, he anticipated. I'm sure, you know, Orton wasn't planning on getting the edge of... As uh, as opposed to kind of like, you know, this new edge that's certainly got a bullseye painted on the back of his neck. Well, Orton seems to take into the challenge. Like I said, Steve reinvented, reignited him a little bit. Well, he's gone back to his kind of old school arsenal of uh, walking around stomping on various body parts of edge. Just trying to weaken him up. And uh, we talk about finishing moves as well. Whose finishing move is more important? Is it Edge's spear or Orton's RKO? Because we've seen matches before where either man have not had to be able to use the move and they've had to come up with new ways, you know. But what are your thoughts? Um, well, I think the RKO, it's it's a very important finisher because, you know, for starters, it can be come out of nowhere, you know. And I think that is very important with a finishing move. It doesn't matter what position you're in, what scenario it happens. But there's so many different ways that Orton can hit you with that RKO. And you wouldn't even know it until your face has been drilled into the mat. I think what's important about finishes as well is that if you've got one, it needs to be the best out there. And don't get me wrong, diamond cutter or anything like that is brilliant. But with the RKO, it's, like I said, it's deadly. With the spear, there are people that do better spears than Edge. And Edge has had different moves, the execution and downward spiral and, and uh, different finishing moves in his career. So I suppose, with a, if I suppose you think about that stunner, like Kevin Owens might use it, but the best is Stone Cold, you know. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Same um, probably with a super kick as well. 
yeah, Shawn Michaels with a super kick. I think that's the best super kick out there. I think, you know, despite Orton kind of using that move after DDP, the RKO, I think his is the better variation of it. His is the better kind of way of doing it. So, you know, he's kind of improved on it as well, especially like the kind of uh, scenarios that he's managed to do it, you know, from the curb stomp, from the shooting star press, you know, from anywhere and nowhere. And there's no doubt Orton is all about this business. I mean, Edge loves it, but Orton was born into it. So that might have an advantage as well. Oh, hello. Um, and look at that. Taking a page. A shout out to Eddie Guerrero looking for the three amigos, but Edge blocks the third one. <laughs> now, <laughs> now it's Edge's turn to pay back Orton and pay tribute to Eddie Guerrero. I think Eddie Guerrero's flick round was a lot more crisp, guys. Without a doubt. Talk about the rest of being on point. But Edge hits it. <laughs> but that is good, though. Do you like seeing shout-outs and tributes? Because, you know, we re- rarely see the three amigos nowadays. Yeah, I think if it's nice, I mean, especially with Orton. I mean, he was involved in that but ill-tasting storyline with Mysterio. But uh, I think, you know, it's nice to, to to show it sometimes. Well, both of these guys have got a history of Edge. It's not as if they're like two complete strangers to Eddie. Yeah, no, I would agree, I would agree with that, yeah. And I think with these two guys, you know, we've seen it with... Triple H and Undertaker, barring them, these are the guys that are around the longest now who are stuck around. You know, talk about John Cena, whatever that is. These are the guys from, you know, 2002 and Edge, even before that. And I know he's been away for a while, but still, it's a bit like, you know, when Shawn Michaels come back, if it's to be successful. Otherwise, uh, we, we don't talk about that anymore, do you know, we? So, don't, we don't, yeah. So. But these two guys slapping the piss out of each other. Orton. With his absolute beauty of a drop kick, and again, it's something that we haven't seen for a while, but we know that Orton has it deep down somewhere. Orton used to dive off the ropes and stuff like that. I mean, it was due to an injury that kind of set him back and had to change his style, and and that's kind of probably helped him a lot. And we've seen what he says, you know, about performances, and you know, sometimes you do least, and sometimes it matters more because it's. You know, there's no get. Don't get us wrong. It's Orton could tell a great story. The story right now is edges down, and Orton look at the stalking. <coughs> is this the Orton of old, the systematic, systematic Orton, the Orton that kind of he holds no punches. He will give you everything he's got, and kind of use every injury slash weakness you have against you. I think that's right. I mean, but what is the best stage? If you could pick an Orton right now to to have what what stage of his career would it be i love the legend killer you know i thought that was absolutely brilliant you know it was again a very ruthless type of orton an orton that gave zero fucks you know had no respect for legends of the game that came before him yeah without doubt i think that one you know it just showed it and it built the character as such and there's no one you know orton played it perfectly and there's no doubt he can play an arsehole really well as he's looking to superplex edge now after sending him into the ring post. Well, both perched on the top rope. Gets him over and damn. And you can see the pain etched on Edge's face. Orton, again, he's not giving a single fight. You can see a, a smirk on his face, Jenkin. He's not. He's got a smile on his face. He's just happy that he's taken Edge down. And you can see how this is different uh, as the camera's in the ring at this moment in time showing the action. I don't know if I'm a huge fan of that, but it is what it is. It's a show in the disbelief in the performance centre. Edge managing to kick out. Well, it's uh, 
a page out of his father's book, Cowboy Bob Orton used to love doing the superplex. You can see the perspiration on the mat of both men. Of course, the blood from Orton's dried up now. Are you calling Orton dried up? No. What's your tone, boy? I bet you still think he's tight and ripped. On with a huge uppercut. Edge in serious trouble having to use the ropes to keep him up. Edge misses a drop kick and oh, I like that move. Both men dive into each other. Don't see that often, but it was good. Oh, crossbody. Absolutely love it. It looks better in slow motion as well. Yeah, but I think this match is in slow motion. So (coughs) both men back up, beat the referee's count. Oh, and comes charging in Edge with a very uh, innovative move there. Sliding his bottom half between the ropes and just pendulum his legs up to kick Orton in the face. I don't know if this is a wise move from Edge, but he's going to go off top. Orton barely able to recover, but gets up just in time. That was Christian's move. What, with the legs? Yeah, Yeah. with the legs, Edge. Using everything he can, but Orton stops him. Orton looked for the DDT off the top turnbuckle, the draping one, but Edge turned it into an execution. Can he get the victory here? No, I don't think he's able to get across. Orton wisely rolls to his front. But Edge into the cover, but Orton gets the shoulder up at two. Two. Monsieur, that's the first appearance I've seen of him since Saudi Arabia. There's no battle royal for him to get in tonight. Oh, Edge with a running knee lift. Oh, no, still trying his best to get to his feet. And then Edge just runs in with a pain knee to the jaw. Edge comes in, third time, and it's an elbow strike this time. Into a cover. No. Or imagine a kick. Oh. Edge now wondering what to do. Well, we've got to see what. We've got spear left, unprettier. Each That's Christian's using, move. Each using your own finishers. We should play. We should have played bingo in the greatest wrestling match ever. <laughs> Take a shot every time someone kicks out. An edge with a cross body. So, no. Orton managing to kick out. Ah. Could you be? In, could you imagine having a match build as kind of like the worst match in history? Yeah, well, all it had to do would be mojo, innit? I, I don't know. The billing of this is just silly, innit? You know, like, you can never, ever... It would... Only WWE would say that. Well, Edge... Uh, Duck Orton gets the cross face cinched in and Randy's kind of struggling... To do anything, really. He can't even get to the ropes. I think he's got Edge's uh, body weight to try and pull along. He's exhausted from the match. And the torque that Edge has got. But is this still a case of actually going to get the victory? Or the case of just still wearing the opponent down? Well, I think, you know, that's what both guys need to do. An angle slam. That wasn't on my bingo card. No. Well, Elton has used it in the past. As he... uh, like I say, he didn't go hook the leg there, so it maybe didn't look like he was going to get the victory, but just expend some of the energy. Orton and Edge getting to their feet. Oh, Orton looking for a hurricane runner, but Edge turned it into a sit-out powerbomb. <laughs> into the cover. Only a two count. Two. I don't think he was looking for a hurricane runner there. I think he just got caught. <laughs> if Orton hits hurricane runner in this match, I will be impressed by that. Will you give me a bonus point? Yeah, I'll give you a bonus point. I'll be a bonus point. that. As both men down. I'm sure Vince McMahon's gone round and said, right, you're Orton, you're uh, your Edge, you're Orton, you're Edge, you're Orton, you're Edge, you're Orton, you're Edge. Kind of got... And you better chill, you're fired. You're fired. It's me, Austin. And Orton sends Edge to the outside. Do we going to see table breaks? Um, or was that all about like, no, in that mania, no. wasn't it? Yeah, because this is... So I forgot. This is a straight up yeah, wrestling. straight up. Wrestling. Wrestling, god damn it. This isn't entertaining. This is wrestling. <laughs> well, Edge was making his way back into the ring. 
Oh, and Jim Byers' neck, looking for his patented draping DDT and hits it second time of asking. Lucky he didn't get hit by that camera there, fuck's sake. We saw Edge scrambling. And Orton now, is this sadistic Orton? Maybe could have got the cover. I think Randy's starting to hear the voices in his head. And he's pounding the mat. He's got Edge in his sights. He's going to finish him once and for all. Edge having to use the ropes to get up. Doesn't know where he is. The Viper poised to strike. Edge pushing Orton off. Hey, Edge going for the unprettier. No. Orton jumping over. Edge O'Matic. No. Orton managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Orton's done more in this match than he has the past 20 years. <laughs> <coughs> no Edge wondering what to do next. We've seen this look before on Edge's face. He grabs the hair. And he goes that other place. Not quite the same place that Orton goes to, but similar. And Edge waiting for Orton to get up. There's no doubt if Edge wasn't injured, he'd have more world title reigns than Randy Orton right now. That's, well, that's neither here nor there. It's Spear. And then this matchup. No, Orton jumps over it. Looking for the RKO. Edge escapes it. Kill switch engaged. Yeah. Or I'm prettier. Goes for the cover. One, two. two. No. Oh. Orton managing to kick out. Uh-huh. So the accolades of just these two guys... 11-time world champion for Edge, 13-time for Orton, 5-time Intercontinental for Edge, 1-time for Orton, 14-time tag team champion for Edge, 2-time <laughs> for Orton, 2005 Mr. Money in the Bank Edge, 2013 Mr. Money in the Bank Orton, Triple Crown champion, both of them, 2010 Royal Rumble match winner for Edge, 2009 and 2017 for Randy Orton. I mean... Their paths couldn't have been much similar if it wasn't for the tag team championship. And you consider this as well, right? And Edge has had 10 years off or nine years off in that time, right? That's what they've accomplished. Edge has held more championships in WWE than any superstar ever. Because even if you go back to the Invasion storyline where he was United States champion and Intercontinental and everything like that as well, like you talk about his teams with Edge and Christian, held the tag team titles of Hulk Hogan, you know, <laughs> like I'm saying, how many people can say that? And that's what Edge is all about. Orton's held titles. Who did tag titles? Yeah, exactly. With? I don't know. Oh, yeah, little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Got that made Okay, oh, that's what it started. <laughs> <Don't know. laughs> anyway, Orton and Edge slick fighting it out here. Pedigree. What I didn't have that on my bingo. No, we had the unpretty, not the pedigree. His mentors finisher hits it. The move that no one ever gets up from, and Edge managed to kick out. Oh, well, Triple H will be looking on. So what would uh, Triple H's response be to that pedigree that Orton's just done? Well, uh, no, I think, you know, when we talk about Triple H's first finish in WF was the um, the cutter, as we have seen video of. And the fact is now, what, imagine if Orton had to finish with the pedigree instead. I mean, you never know. So do you like these kind of shout-outs? I mean, you know, they both had... Uh, They've got no choice. They, they have both, to. No, they both had doings with Edge. Yeah. Uh, sorry, with they Eddie Guerrero. Edge, yeah. Fuck One off, I'm Eddie Guerrero. Rock bottom! Rock bottom. Yeah. So, no. They're just going to use every move ever. If the next finish is a stunner, I get a bonus point. And then a super kick. <clears throat> with no leg slap. <laughs> figure four leg lock. Someone's got to do that. Batista bomb? Batista bomb. Figure, F you. Yeah, yeah. I just realised what you said. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that one as well. No, I'm just saying F you. Oh, oh, are you sorry about that? I didn't know. Go Back to sleep. Go to sleep. Oh, there we go. Sharpshooter. Oh, Sharpshooter. I'm calling it Take bonus point. Oh. Uh, 
Educator. And educator. <laughs> yeah. And all, I mean, and it's, like, it's just like a fucking Matt Riddle in it. Execution. <laughs> Edumatic. Educator. Oh, and now he's looking for the edge slide. <laughs> Can he get it? Uh, it's a test of strength at the moment. Oh, edge with a mule kick to the leg. Orton kicking out. Ah. Huge uppercut from Randy, though. And how quick he was in position. How much more can Edge and Edge's neck take? Not a lot. And Orton pinpoints, I'm sure that Edge showed him the x-rays when he took him to hospital and showed him exactly where in the neck that he's had the surgery and he's targeting it right there and he's hitting it on the button every time. You would think Edge has started to have pain, shooting down his arm, losing feeling his fingers and his toes. And like he said, soon his body will just give out. And Orton doesn't care. He's looking for another draping DDT. No. Gets hung up on the top rope. Sliding in. Going to catch him with a roll-up. Only a two. Two. Second roll-up. Again, only a two. Two. Inside cradle. Two. Two. RKO out of nowhere. One. Two. Four. You son of a... Son of a gun. And Edge managing to kick out. Oh. Orton gave his best shot and it just weren't good enough. You can see the wheels turning in Orton's head though. What more can... Well, after that, okay, you can see how upset he is. He didn't get the job done. It's a story of blood, sweat and tears now full of two men involved. <laughs> that was close. Well, we see the slow motion. And Charles Robson, the best referee in the business. Charles in charge. Maybe Orton should stop wasting time. There's one move we haven't thought about, James. The most deadliest finish. So deadly it was banned. Oh, the stomp. No. Million Dollar Dream? No. Um, What's Virgil's finisher? <laughs> Did he have say? Seated pole driver? Uh, might have been. Is it that? No. No. <laughs> what, what am I forgetting? Well, it's not three letters, James. It's four letters. And the last three letters are what people often call you, but with a P instead of a C. Oh, my God. So it's going to be a punt. <laughs> yes, James. Well, here we go. And Orton looking he for it. He wouldn't do that. Not to his friend. Well, you are what you eat. Don't be a dick, Dan. And here comes Orton. No, Edge. Spear. That's it. We got it. No. No, hasn't capitalised on it immediately. Oh. But look at the face of Edge. Oh, come on. Edge doesn't want to finish it now. You know where he wants to win this as well. One of his match. On his day. And he can feel it. He can feel the Edgeheads at ringside cheering him on. Spear. Second spear. One, One two, three. No. Oh. Mamma mia. <laughs> oh, get get the fuck out now. Mojo mia. <laughs> Dickhead. Uh, do you know what? It's not a bad match. Oh, nearly. Nearly. So close. Yet so far. And what's next? The spear didn't get the job done. Three letters. Edge KO. That's what we need. EKO. <laughs> no, that's ECK, isn't it? <laughs> Edge Christian and K. Oh, yeah. I remember T Mech, yeah. Well, they can't come out here because this has been one on one and straight up. But it's got to end, surely. Don't call me Shirley. But I don't want to end it just yet. It's <laughs> Edge now. <laughs> I'm just enjoying the match, James. I'm wrapped up in the emotions of it all. You can tell these two guys hate each other. They want to put each other out of their misery. Irish whip reversed. Edge now. Another RKO. And that has got to be it too. Oh, for oh. goodness sake. 
Well, the impact of that, we don't really see it often. Off the second rope, into the RKO. Look good. Edge with a springboard, straight into the waiting RKO of Randy. And slow motion replay tells the story there. The story isn't over, James. Now punts the last move, and he went for it. He got hit with a spear, so he's going to be worried. RKO can't get the job done. A super RKO. See now, this is classic Orton just berating his opponent. Wearing him down, making him feel he's not good enough. Oh, but Edge gets a submission in. The anti-venom. Oh, but Orton goes low. Uh, it was in the midsection, oh, ref. Midsection. Uh, this is meant to be a straight Boom. up wrestling match. One, two, three. Oh, my God. Well, Orton hits a punt after cheating. Hitting that fucking that low was blow. The midsection. He it was the midsection. He cheated. James, <laughs> it was the midsection. Well, that is unbelievable. I can't believe it. Orton gets the job done in the greatest wrestling match ever. Was it the greatest match ever? Dan, what are your thoughts? I wouldn't say it was the greatest wrestling match ever, but it was probably one of the best wrestling matches of 2020. Would, I thoroughly enjoyed would, it. Yeah, I what thought, do you like about it? <clears throat> I just liked, you know, it was, it was an old school wrestling clinic. You know, it wasn't... A flip here, flip there, waiting for a spot here, waiting for a spot there. It was two guys genuinely going at it, tooth and nail, hitting each other with moves that they've kind of been hit with throughout years. You know, we see a few old classics thrown in there, the Free Amigos, uh, the Kill Switch, or I'm Prettier as it's known. Um, we saw a pedigree there. And, you know, it's it just goes to show that you don't have to be show-offy to deliver a great match. I think you're right. I think both of these guys put in a hell of a performance. It's a shame it was called the greatest wrestling match ever because uh, otherwise, if they had and wrestled like this, we would have been pleasantly surprised. Do you think it kind of played the whole match down by kind of saying it was going to be the greatest match? If they'd have said, look, you know, this is kind of like the end of an era match, Orton versus Edge, you know, one last go at it, and this match turned up, would you have been a lot more happy with it? I think so, but then again, would they have tried as hard if they didn't have this tagline as well? Maybe it's a double-edged sword in that way. You know, we might have just seen another standard uh, match with kind of, like you said, with the tables and stuff. Uh, I think it was a good enough story told, though, with Orton hitting a low blow before he hit the punt. And like I said, this feud should continue with uh, up until SummerSlam as well. But I think, you know, going on to that, you know, the visuals, the way they kind of were with each other as well, you know, it wasn't just about... The wrestling, because it wasn't your classic catch-can style wrestling. You know, they had a few good sequences in there, don't get me wrong. But, you know, I think it just flowed. It was, you know, there was no botches. There was no awkward, oh, fuck, he was supposed to have done this, but he done that instead. You know, it was nothing like that. It was just kind of rolled on nicely. I know it was, you know, there was a bit of cut and shut and probably some editing going through it. But, you know, I still think it kind of produced together a very good match. Yeah, without a doubt, I thought it was a really good match. All right, so that is it for Backlash. Randy Orton gets the victory. So we're going to look back now and uh, give our rating, our man or woman of the pay-per-view, our match of the night. Uh, so here we go. We're going to start off with a uh, kickoff. Again, not bad. When you've got a talent like Apollo Crews and CN, it can't be a bad match on the kickoff. Uh, that was three and a half out of five for me. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Three and a half for me as well. It was a good little match, and it kind of set up the kind of next challenger for the US Championship as well. Yeah, and then we started off the show proper with Alexa Bliss. And Better than the match before, but 
not loads better. Yeah. Uh, and then we had Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy. We had a lot of build-up to this match. I don't think the match was too bad. Um, Jeff Hardy got beaten up a lot in this, maybe too much, and Sheamus gets a victory. But we're going to move on to, you know, see what Jeff Hardy does now. And again, am I a fan of this storyline? No, but I don't think it was a bad match. Dan, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, you can't say it was a match because, you know, these two guys, they are, in all intents and purposes, veterans of the wrestling ring. And But I think, you know, for Jeff Hardy to be beaten down for the majority of the match, it was kind of teeing up for a Jeff Hardy win as opposed to him getting a minute bit of offence in and still coming off second best. It it kind of didn't work out and, you know, hopefully they put this kind of rivalry they've got between each other to bed because it's kind of received a lot of back. Yeah, um, I go that a three out of five. Uh, I go that a three and a quarter out of five. And then we had Oscar versus Nia Jax. Again, I don't think this is too bad a match. The finish killed it for me. I think to have a count out here was just terrible. We want to see Oscar be dominant and, yeah, they want to protect Jax, but it just didn't work for me, you know? Totally agree with all of that, yeah. I gave it a three and a quarter out of five. I gave that a three out of five. And then Braun Strowman versus Demiz and Morrison for the Universal title. This is kind of one of the most pointless matches you could have had on this card. I mean, you could have had another tag team match or, you know, something else a lot better than what was displayed. I think it made Morrison and The Miz both look weak. It made Strowman kind of, as well as trying to build him up as strong, but, you know, having to go against two guys... It's just building him up for his next challenger for the title as opposed to kind of being a legitimate title defence. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Uh, it was entertaining in parts, but, you know, for like being the shortest match on the show when it's meant to be the Universal title, you know, Strowman's slowly turning into the new Goldberg or something. I gave that a three and a quarter out of five. I gave that a three out of five. And then we had Lashley versus McIntyre, and these two big men put on a show. Uh, fantastic stuff. Lashley looking more aggressive, uh, jumping up the bit. McIntyre playing the champion role perfectly, fighting through, and I think it just told a great story, and I think it was a really good match. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a very good match between these two. Um, you know, you can kind of see there's a bit of distinction in Lashley camp with Lana coming out, and it was kind of her being there that kind of resulted in Lashley taking the loss here, as opposed to McIntyre kind of beating him straight out. Um, but no, you know, uh, McIntyre kind of playing uh, facing peril at the start of the match, getting caught with the full Nelson and kind of fighting back from that. But it wasn't a bad match on the whole. I gave that a four out of five. I gave that a four and a quarter out of five. Then we had the cinematic match, the Street Profits versus Viking Raiders. It wasn't really a match, was it? Three out of five. And then on to the main event, the greatest wrestling match ever, Edge versus Orton. Uh, again, this is really good stuff from the two men who I think, you know, like I said, they did put on quite a good match. Did it go on for too long? Yes. But I think the end sequence was really well done. I think the majority of the match was quite good. Yeah, um, it was, you know, you've got two greats in the ring. It makes you wonder if Randy has been phoning it in, you know, for, for a while. Has he not kind of felt anyone worthy of having a great match with recently? Um, but no, you know, there was a few good shout outs and kind of, you know, callbacks to wrestlers of past. Um, both guys doing it crisp and, you know, you can see with their facials and everything that went into this match as well. A lot of effort went into it from both guys. Brilliant. Yeah, I gave that. Well, I've been I've been wondering what to rate that. What are you rating it? I have rated it a four and three quarters. 
I was thinking that, but I think I'm gonna give it four and a half. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go four and a half. Uh, yeah, I'll go four and a half for that. All right. So our match of the night is, of course, the main event. Uh, who's your man of the night or woman? Um, I'm going to have to give it to Edge because, despite being laid off or laid up for nine years, he still came back and produced, like you know, not only an absolute humdinger of a match. But he managed to be out there, what was the match, 45 minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, to kind of be off for that long, to come back and to be able to put in a performance like that, who else could you give it to? I'm going to give it to Bobby Lashley <laughs> because I think his performance tonight was was superb and I think that's what we wanted to see from him. He looked like fire tonight and I think him and McIntyre could have a great uh, feud over the WWE Championship. A score out of 10. I'm going to give it an... Eight and a half. You know, there was some good moments, good matches in it, but it wasn't, you know, full of surprises. I'm going to give it an eight and a quarter because, um, like you said, if you'd have missed this show, what have you missed? You would have missed, what, the Edge versus Auto match, really, and McIntyre, Lashley. And the tag team. Yeah, yeah but that's only three. You, you, but the thing is, the, 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 even the opening match is building towards Iconics versus Boss and Hug, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? The, uh, Braun's obviously waiting for Bray to come back or whatever it is. And McIntyre, you know, that's all right. But again, I don't think we would have really missed anything with that. So I'm going to give that an eight and a quarter out of ten. No title changes either. Uh, no, exactly. So they're just, uh, of course, uh, next month is Extreme Rules, and we'll bring that to you. Uh, we did a poll on Twitter uh, about Backlash. We asked, how was WWE Backlash? Was it great, good, okay, or terrible? And the results are in, and 21% said great, 33% said good, 32% said okay, and 14% said terrible. But we also had a couple of comments. Yes, Rocky went on to say, good to okay, nothing great or terrible except for the greatest main event. It was really awesome, worthy of a five-star rate. That's at Rocky3163. Also at Bite Size Wrestle, Harvey Smith said, meh. So again, we've got different results. And I think our, our things from it as well will feel the same thing. Uh, we've also got some news as well, and we'll start that off. And it's amazing to think that it was almost exactly one year ago that W appointed Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff to be the new executive directors of Raw and SmackDown, respectively. Majority of fans reacted well to the news, but realised that these promotions were pointless, provided Vince Man still had full quote control over the product. Interestingly enough, it took all of a few months for Bischoff to be removed from his post and replaced with Bruce Pritchard, who has helped run SmackDown since then. Heyman, all things considered, has done a decent job of building up new names and making Raw far more tolerable than it once was. But even he reaches breaking point leading to what happened this past week. Well, needless to say, WWE's announcement Thursday night that Pritchard would be overseeing the creative process for both brands going forward does not bode well for future of the brand. With the two teams being consolidated into one, it's possible we see wrestlers bounce back and forth between shows more frequently sooner rather than later. If viewers weren't already turning to see the same superstars before with ratings hitting an all-time low, would it compel them to watch them two nights a week? How is anyone below the main event level ever going to get television time? Or whether it be Bischoff, Pritchard, Heyman or whoever, these moves are meaningless so long as McMahon is at the helm of creating. There have been zero indication that he plans on relinquishing that role anytime soon and with the XFL seemingly dead and buried for the second time, 
we can unfortunately explore McMahon influence on the product for years to come. Yeah, and you think about how we talked about uh, the big news about Heyman and Bischoff, and it kind of really changed nothing, really, uh, which, you know, is a little bit upsetting. A bit more news, though, and Edge suffered a torn triceps on June 7th when filming his match with Orton. Uh, the injury likely result of the match was kept quiet by WWE, and they reported today, and others of WWE confirmed that as well. Well, the match itself reportedly was taped for 35 minutes, but it's not clear how much of the match. Well, a torn tricep is using an injury that requires about eight months or so recovery time and surgery. Obviously, because WWE didn't want to out the match, didn't want to know the match was taped. They couldn't talk about the injury. And he's undergo surgery. So eight months, down for Edge. I mean, that's going to have a huge impact for him, isn't it? A massive impact, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen from here on. Um, well, it's going to be difficult, isn't it? Yeah, you know, we we'd spoken about like kind of he'd been contracted to wrestle a few matches. I don't know how that's going to. No, not at all. Well, WWE is using friends and family at TV tapings in the start of a plan to have fans in attendance as well. They can continue to make plans in order to have fans attending the show again. And this week, we noted how WWE officials are preparing to host fans at events again by the end of the summer. There are several people in the company who are hoping to start in August. Well, fast forward to Monday, WWE allowed friends and family to attend television tapings. There was also reports that local fans were allowed to be in attendance, but those reports were dismissed. It's been reported that having eliminated fans is a beginning phase of having full crowds again. The next phase would see NXT recruits be removed from being used as fans in order to use just family, friends and a select group of fans who knew someone to be able to attend. NXT recruits will still have to be available for tapings if they know. In the third phase, we would have only fans in the audience with at least 50% capacity to show people watching at home that things have returned to normal and it's okay to attend live events again where the company holds them. Well, finally, the last phase would be to return to touring at least TV and pay-per-view events. Yeah, so it looks like they're going to try and get them back. But a lot of people aren't happy about it and have actually said that's a bit of a clusterfuck backstage trying to get things sorted out and of course when you don't really know what you're doing it's going to be a bit of a mess like that as well uh but we go on to raw and raw results quickly and um christian returned monday on raw and it was a great thing to actually see him and they set up a match with him and uh randy orton before the main event and christian you know one more match coming out of retirement he came out not dressed uh in his wrestling gear, but in street clothes. And it looked like he was going to have the match with Orton, but then Ric Flair got involved, low-blowed him, and Orton with the punt taking Christian out. I hate the way they use Christian as kind of cannon fodder. What's going to happen now, Alan? Is Orton moving on from Edge and Christian for the time being? Um, Well, I think, you know, with the injury to Edge, he's probably going to plan to have more matches, but, you know, they're definitely going to move Orton on, especially after, like, the kind of... uh, Rave reviews that Backlash has received. Right, and um, talking now, uh, this is a news story that broke about British wrestling this past uh, couple of weeks, or a couple of, couple of days even, and it's absolutely horrible. And we're going to go into more detail Magnificent Seven in a couple of weeks' time, where it's going to change it. Basically, British wrestling, um, and the British wrestlers have been accused, and, uh, you know, on Twitter... Of kind of all kind of sexual assaults and uh, different charges. And like I said, we're not going to go into full details now, but a list of names include people on Magnificent Seven, include people that we um, have followed on the WNR podcast. It's a kind of horrible time, Dan. Um, the WNR have got an official statement. As a supporter of British wrestling, it's horrible seeing the stories, but even more so to experience. All our thoughts are with those affected 
and the WNR will wait to see about the Magnificent Seven in July. And we will talk about that, like I say, in a couple of weeks' time. And it's a horrible way to kind of end this podcast uh, with that. But like I said, we've got so much more planned in July as well. We've got really Regal special that is coming to us. Of course, we're going to have Extreme Rules NXT update as well. But that is it for today, Dan. I mean, what are your final thoughts on Backlash? It wasn't bad after all, was it really? It wasn't terrible, no. Um, I think they should have kind of... They should never, ever use the greatest wrestling match tagline ever for something. Unless it's already happened and they know that it's going to be something great. Um, but... You know, on the whole, it was a very enjoyable pay-per-view, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, it wasn't too bad in the end. Uh, so that is it. Don't forget, we're across all social media. On Twitter, we have changed things up on Twitter now. We are no longer at WWE Network Review. We are now at the WNR Podcast. We have changed it. Yes, I am at WNR Dan. And our Twitter follow of the week is Dan. And our Twitter follower of the week is L underscore A underscore Garcia 913. That's Lorenzo Garcia. Yeah, and I'm at the WNRJR. I've changed it up now. I think that's got a little bit more ring to it. Uh, so at the WNRJR, at the WNR podcast, and of course at the WNR Dan. And we're also on Facebook. Yes, the WNR podcast is on Facebook and also Instagram. Across all the Google platforms, send us an email at wnrpodcast at gmail.com. We're on YouTube, the WNR podcast, where we have all our latest clips. And podcasts go up at the same time on YouTube as they do SoundCloud. On your phone. Also Stitcher and Spreaker, where we do our live shows. And iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. So that is it. Yes, and our next episode is episode WNR. 294 The Women's Revolution Part 2 2 2018 to 2020 Till then I have been James Rowlands and as always I was joined by Dan White Thanks for listening everybody and bye Bye